Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Hart. It's happy week one, everybody. We've made it here to Sunday night, and it's a great day to be great. Here joining me, not as always anymore, but still pretty damn often, the one, the only, Dwayne The Rock McFarlane. Dwayne, it's been, it's been a week, man. It's been a week. How are you? Yeah, I, I miss you. <laughs> no, uh, 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 it's going to always be on Sunday nights, though. So yes, we're going to have that going. We're going to have that going. So, yeah, dude, what a freaking day. Like, we'll throw the Cowboys thing out. We'll, 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 we can just set that aside for now. I still got the <laughs> Cowboys shirt on. I should just take it off. But, uh, yeah, dude, freaking football is back. We have so much freaking information. This is amazing. As always, on the Sunday night edition of the podcast, we're going through every single game that just happened. Dwayne and I are even, you know, manning up a little bit this year, recording after Sunday night football. Why not, Dwayne? You know, I'm usually up till 3 a.m. on Sunday nights. If it's 4 a.m. this year, so be it. It's for the people. We are the pods for the people after all. So with that, man, let's just get right into it. Why the hell not? Browns, 26. Panthers, 24. Man, in the, you know, the red zone, they always say, like, this is the witching hour when they get into the fourth quarter. Like, once we got into the fourth quarter of those 1 p.m. games, my goodness. You know, there were some that I think were a little bit more interested in this one, but this was back and forth. We had Baker coming down, and I thought putting, you know, a decent enough showing out there. Certainly wasn't going well for him at first, but at the end of the day, man, Kareem Hunt game scoring two tutties. Nick Chubb went for 141. Christian McCaffrey getting back into the end zone. Robbie Anderson, 102 yards and a touchdown. There was a lot of scoring going on, but I guess, Dwayne, one disappointing thing in our quest to find the late round tight end. We did not get that out of David Njoku in this one. Just one catch for seven yards and troubling, troublingly, Lee. How the hell you say that? Harrison Bryant, four targets, actually had two catches now produced David Njoku. So, Dwayne, overall thoughts on the Browns' workload management and what you saw out there from both the tight end room and then also with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Yeah, sure. Um, for Njoku, the positive, though, is still 89% snap participation, 74% routes per dropback. So, like, we would love to be at 80%. Like, that's elite. But as long as you're over 70%, you know, you're in a good spot. And so... What we've seen in the past with Njoku has been more like, hey, 55%, 60%, and then Harrison Bryant getting involved. So Harrison Bryant was out there for 44% of the routes, and Njoku was out there for 74%. So I think you just kind of got to give him a pass this week. Would we have liked to have seen more targets? Absolutely. But there was really no one um, like just bogarting, you know, uh, you know, all the passing game. Why well, say that? Like Donovan Peoples-Jones, like freaking at 37% of the targets uh, for the Browns today. So that's one name to remember. He was out there for 91% of the routes. So Jacoby Brissett in his in his first start, you know, with the Browns, that's the guy that he settled in on. Um, as far as the backfield goes, yeah, it was really what we're used to. Um, you know, Nick Chubb was out there for 53% of the snaps. Kareem Hunt, 56%. Rushing, as usual, went to Nick Chubb, 62%, 30% to Kareem Hunt. But long down in distance, guess who? Kareem Hunt, 94%. Two-minute offense, guess who? Kareem Hunt, 71%. And if we just want to talk about routes, period, per dropback, 60% to Kareem Hunt and 33% to Nick Chubb. So really just what we're used to with these two guys. And guess what? They're both also just badass. They both made the most of their touches, and you were fine. Like, you could have started both today in the, si in the same lineup, and you could have been okay. Brown's offensive line was really kicking it today. So um, what we're used to out of the Browns' backfield. It was great, Dwayne, after just weeks and almost months even of just hyping up Kareem Hunt just as this, you know, potential low-end RB2, even if, you know, nothing happens with the trade and talks. That's exactly what we got here in week one from Kareem Hunt. Also, Christian McCaffrey, maybe not, you know, the overall RB1 performance that we've all been yelling about, but was able to jump in from the goal line. And just really in the second half, we did see him getting back to that every down roll overall in the game, 80% snaps. I would not be surprised if that even rises up there in future weeks. A few sheeshes in 
this one, this was one of the three games I was able to watch at once on the 1 p.m. state slate. I'm actually going to have an article, Dwayne, going up. Uh, Usually, probably after Monday night football, you know, all the sheeshes, all the overthrows, all the nullified touchdowns of the week. I think, you know, tweeting out those sheesh alerts last year, I kind of hated myself by the end of it. So I'm sure that a lot of people uh, were getting tired of it as well. But that stuff still. I is, love the uh, sheesh, useful. man. I love the sheesh. And I just go search the sheesh. I mean, that's what I search <laughs> for. Like on a, on a Sunday, like if I want to see all the plays that were missed, I just search the, the sheesh with your name. I'm still covering it. I'm just going to try to put them in one spot one time. Okay. okay so with, enough, with that said, I'm Amari Cooper, look, I know he only had three catches for 17 yards. It was pretty damn impressive, though. Like, he had at least two times where he drew a penalty and basically the guy held him and he couldn't get there. And then he put the cornerback in the dirt on one move, and Jacoby Brissett, unfortunately, couldn't get to him. And that was the story of the day. I mean, Jacoby Brissett, in the last drive of the game, he did make a couple clutch plays, but it was a really uneven performance before that, man. He missed Cooper on the potential honey hole shot down the sideline, you know, with the safety coming over the top, and then had a br- even more brutal brutal one on when Kareem Hunt got loose deep and honestly could have been a 50 yard house call and you know Jacoby just sailed it so CMC also had a big screen call back on a hold which that makes sense way. maybe he wouldn't have gotten the big game without the holding penalty but weird 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 thing that happened to CMC in week one there's a fumbled snap on the shotgun I saw that. he picks it up and runs for 28 yards not rushing yards Dwayne apparently fumble recovery yards so you know we're not getting the 2.8 points there my goodness, but you know, we get enough of those just receptions behind the line of scrimmage and CMC makes up for it eventually. So a couple sheeshes there. Quick final notes here. CMC 23 straight non-injured games with at least a hundred yards and or a touchdown madness right there. Nick Chubb forced 10 missed tackles on the ground. Great job by you, Nick Chubb and Baker pressured on 42.4% of the dropbacks. Not easy there. So Dwayne, anything else with this game you want to get off your chest? No, we're good. I mean, McCaffrey, not quite, you know, where he was like two years ago, where he basically never missed a snap, but still utilization is great. Um, You already talked about the snaps, but he was in a route 74%. That is freaking elite still, right? If you're out there for 65% of the routes um, as a running back, you're already in elite territory. So CMC's 10% above that. He's still got 61% of the rushing attempts as well. Behind him, it was really a timeshare between Foreman and between Chuba Hubbard. 11% of the carries to Foreman, 17% to Hubbard. I kind of think, Ian, if something does happen to CMC, knock on wood, we do not want that to happen. It's probably going to be kind of a mess, right? It's not an offense that we really love. My guess is that Chuba Hubbard would get the passing down work. Deonta Foreman would probably steal some of the short down and distance and stuff like that. But we might not be able to really depend to depend on either in fantasy land, as you like to say, Mr. Hardens. Especially with uh, the Panthers offense. Hey, they, they they did some stuff in the fourth quarter. That was a fun time. But it, again, it was not a very good performance throughout the afternoon for Baker. We'll see what happens next time around when he doesn't have Miles Garrett chasing his ass down every single play. Very entertaining one here. The Steelers took down the Bengals somehow 23 to 20. 20, despite the best interests of my freaking parlays, man, the Steelers find a way to rip this game out of there. I just saw um, Joe Goodberry, fantastic Bengals. Uh, I don't even know if he's a reporter, but just maybe the smartest guy out there about the Bengals. And he mentioned how Burrow, Burrow basically threw four like potential game winning touchdowns, but because kickers are freaking idiots and because of just some near, near misses there, wasn't quite able to ultimately get the Bengals uh, to the promised land should have again, like to found Jamar chase with one second left in the ball game. And then McPherson gets the uh, extra point blocked after that. I can't believe I know a kicker's name. It's only because I live in Cincinnati and I hear people barking about it. But after that, man, I mean, but I should say before that, you know, Jamar chase almost had this ridiculous one-handed catch for a touchdown. The other Mike Thomas, got a ball that hit him in the freaking chest like burrow it was one of the better games you'll see a quarterback play 
knowing relative that he threw four picks and seven sacks. So yes, there was a ton of bad out there from Burrow, but he really did come back out there at the end and somehow give his chance, uh, give his team every single chance to win. So uh, in terms of just kind of the usage going around, it was just a Jamar Chase show, particularly with T Higgins suffering a concussion very early on 16 targets for Jamar Chase, Joe Mixon with nine, because they were in hurry up mode a lot. Hayden Hurst with eight, Tyler Boyd with seven. So Dwayne, before we get to the Steelers, the thing that stuck out to me here was obviously Joe Mixon having those seven catches nine targets we know joe mixon can be a strong receiver unfortunately samaj piran has usually been taking that role as you love to tell us though it's a lot of different ways a running back can get those pass game opportunities what did you see kind of behind the scenes with joe mixon's utilization and is this a situation now where we can maybe start bumping him up into the upside rb1 territory as opposed to putting him you know more more so with guys like nick chubb yeah, I think we're going to have to. Um, 73% of the snaps, 59% route participation, which Joe Mixon's normally like more like a 45% guy. But the difference was they gave him all the two-minute offense. So a lot of times that still goes to P. Ryan. The only thing P. Ryan got was the long down and distance. And a lot of times that's whenever you know you're going to have to, you're going to have to pass block, right? It's like third and eight, third and 10, third and 12. You're probably getting blitz, probably going to be man coverage. And so if the goal to keep mixing fresh is just to have him not have to sit out there and block and get blown up by linebackers, like we could totally live with that. Because in the two-minute offense, it's the opposite, right? Now, when you're the back on the field, typically the defense is not blitzing. They're going in a zone. They're dropping back. And the quarterback is reading. Like, they're just trying to not give up a big play, right? And so what does that mean? Check down to Joe Mixon. Check down to Joe Mixon. So it's something I'm very interested in. Also, 93% of the team's rushing attempts. And that's something we saw last year. Yeah. Um, like, he was he was in the 80s a lot, like, for the rushing attempts. Um, 80% of the short down and distance as well. So this is a guy that can score a lot of touchdowns. I actually, this he's going to get an upgrade in the utilization this week um you know we'll see what happens uh there were a couple of games where he got this kind of treatment last year um and i can't remember if it was injury late related or what but he, he kind of lost hold of it but right now everything looks really good for joe mixon in week one he got banged up like week four week five last year so i remember there was that game where you know he, yeah. was, on, he was on the pitch count and then he found a way to score a touchdown anyway so we were all like damn it why the hell did we sit you but okay hopefully he can hold on to it more this time around final few notes with the Bengals here did mention that t higgins concussion and tyler boyd man this is now if we include this game he's had 13 games with joe burrow and without one of jamar chase or t higgins obviously a lot of that includes joe burrow's rookie season when chase wasn't there yet but regardless in those 13 games tyler boyd averages 6.6 catches 69 yards 0.4 touchdowns on 8.5 targets if you extrapolate that to 17 games, Dwayne, 112 catches, 1,173 yards, six and a half scores on 145 targets. That's why Boyd was one of these sleepers for us in those later rounds because we've known that he's been the back-to-back -back PPR wide receiver 36 when these guys are healthy. And now, Dwayne, if T. Higgins is out, it's going to – I'm not saying he's for sure going to be a top 24 receiver, but top 30, top 32, man, particularly with a game coming up against that Cowboys secondary that I don't think we're going to be very afraid of. All of a sudden, Boyd's someone that I think people are going to be very happy about having on that bench. Yeah, I mean, he's going to be, you know, I, I would say he's going to be in that wide receiver three mix, right? Yeah. If we've got if we've got Higgins out, I agree. Um, you know, his yards per route run, we're not great. 0.63 but still uh you know if, if you're going to be the number two receiver which is what we would slate him to be right on the Bengals, um yeah we're gonna like it you got a good quarterback um we did see the Bengals throw a lot today but they were trailing like the whole time you know because of all the pickoffs so i don't we still don't have a good handle on will the Bengals be more like what we saw two years ago um before joe burrow got hurt or are they going to be more like what we saw early last year right where they tried to be much more of a 
you know, if we were picking the Madden playbook, right? <laughs> pass balanced, right? Or balance would be what it was the year before it was pass heavy. Like today, pass heavy, but at the same time, you know, they were trailing. So it'll be interesting. If, if they are going to throw it and air it out more though, like that helps all of these receivers. Final few notes here with Cincy. Jamar Chase, 10 catches, 129 yards, and a touchdown. And it really could have been so much more. He had a chance earlier in the game for an end zone snag. Would have been tough, just couldn't get the two feet down. It bounced out at the end. He also dropped a slant where the cornerback fell down, and he was probably going to score. But again, he dropped the ball. Also, seemingly did have a touchdown. Like You could see the ball was past the plane, and the Bengals, instead of challenging it, ran up to the line and ran a play and ended up not being a touchdown. And then finally, the aforementioned one-handed snag, and his foot was out of bounds by just a centimeter if you're a wide receiver and you're not wearing white cleats you don't care about winning Dwayne because they have these black cleats out there and it's just so obvious to tell if you have the white cleats man I feel like you give yourself an extra six inches at least you know and that's just out there on the football field so looking elsewhere though again Chase 35 touchdowns in his last 36 games going back to college so he's going to be just fine final note here Dwayne did you see enough out of my guy Hayden Hurst to start being a little nicer to the Hurst family in general Oh, no, no. Hey, Hearst is good. I think it's positive, right? Whenever we're not dealing with T Higgins plus Tyler Boyd plus, you know, Jamar Chase, right? So now he can be the third option. He was out there for 79% of the routes, right? So he was almost at the 80% number that we love, um, but still a lot of target competition, um, 14% target share, which was actually tied with Tyler Boyd, right? We had 31% of the targets go to Jamar Chase uh, just because he's a complete beast. Um, so yeah, no, I'm good. I'm good with a uh, Hurst. He gets a slight bump in any games that were without one of the other weapons. Pittsburgh Steelers now probably should have given them the credit first, but I, I just, my mind hasn't accepted that Pittsburgh won this game. It was just wild watching it the entire time. Credit to Minka Fitzpatrick, you know, getting the pick six, even blocking uh, the extra point. So just, just an incredible performance by him, but with Pittsburgh, very disappointing game for Najee Harris, you know, fantasy managers, because not only was he largely ineffective out there, but we had some of the target issues come to fruition. I mean, he ended up re-injuring his foot. It seems like late in the fourth quarter, but to only see two targets in the meantime just kind of reinforces some of those concerns we had about what exactly his usage was going to be like this season uh 10 carries for Najee Harris six carries for Chase Claypool Dwayne out of an entire summer filled with who's going to be this year's Debo Samuel I'm not sure one person ever said uh Chase Claypool but come on down Chase apparently got that role just for now for the record, they were consistently just like reverses and fly sweeps. I have no idea why they kept going back to the well that often. I mean, he averaged six yards per carry on it, so fair play, I guess. But maybe get the ball to pickings like more than one time in the entire game. I don't know, Dwayne. I'm just a fantasy analyst chilling in my mom's basement, so I'm not going to try to tell Matt Canada what to do uh, that much. But the big story, I guess, on offense, because with Najee Harris, we'll, we'll see what happens with the foot. Jalen Warren is going to be on the cover of a lot of these waiver wires. Right now, Mike Girardi says it's not considered a big deal. Jordan Schultz reports that he should be fine. So we'll see. Know a lot more about it Monday. You can catch the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast talking waivers on Tuesday. But Deontay Johnson, Dwayne, to see him come out, 12 targets, 7 catches, 55 yards. Should have had another 30 because, holy shit, the dude went up one-handed and came down was almost – did they give him the catch? I think they did give him the catch, actually. It was initially ruled not a catch, yeah. and then they reviewed it. So that was incredible. Matt Harmon was shouting him out, saying that, you know, how dare some people, including me a little bit, doubted the greatness that is Deontay Johnson. I'll just say this, though, Dwayne. Now that we have the targets – Pretty much, you know, not it's still a one game sample size. I get it, but we now have a one game sample size of Deontay Johnson still being a target hog monster, even without Ben Roethlisberger under center. 
does that still really make you want to boom him up, you know, the, for, out from outside the low M wide receiver to circuit? Because let's face it, the Steelers offense did look about as bad as advertised otherwise. Well, I think it's tough to not. I mean, at 30% target share, um, yeah. And I mean, you were the guy that had always loved, you know, Deontay. And then you kind of cooled on him this offseason. But I think this just shows you it doesn't matter. It's with Mitch Trubisky, with Ben Roethlisberger. He's the best receiver on the team. Um, you know, and I mean, he's just a really good player. So, I, yeah, I mean, it's going to be hard to get out of wide receiver two territory because we have questions about, you know, the quarterback. But at the same time, he's still going to have plenty of wide receiver one games. And I think his floor, you know, he's going to give you these wide receiver three type games. So I, I feel really good about Deontay Johnson. A um, couple of other quick notes. You did mention Chase, Cl I mean, Chase Claypool. You know, he, he was involved on the ground like two years ago, right, as a rookie. You know, he scored some some rushing touchdowns and stuff, but 30% of the team's rushing attempts went to Chase Claypool today, which was definitely an interesting twist. You did mention George Pickens. So here's the positive on him. Still out there for 91% of the routes. Yeah, he only came up with an 8% or sorry, a 9% target share. Um, but that's still really good, man. He's out there plenty. They're using um, the three wide receivers all game. This is a game where they actually led. You know, they were they were leading, you know, and they were getting all of these pickoffs. I mean, so and it was it, it was never out of hand at any moment. And they continued to throw the ball. So that was what was really the most impressive thing to me about the Steelers offense today um, was the fact that they didn't just kind of go into a shell and run the ball. My big concern was that we could see a real decrease in the passing volume. You know, I'm looking right now, Mitch Trubisky, you know, he dropped back the pass. This is including penalties on this because I, I was looking at PFF grades for this, but uh, 43 times. You know, so I don't know how many of those went away for penalties, but still, you know, 43 is really good. So that's the most encouraging thing to me. So if you can be out there for 90 percent of the routes on a team that could throw the ball 40 times a game, because I thought that might drop to like 30. Well, now you got T.J. Watt injury. You know, I mean, how good is this defense going to be able to, you know, how good can they, you know, continue to be without him? I mean, he's obviously a major factor. So, yeah, that's the biggest thing for me with the Steelers. We'll have to keep an eye on the Najee thing. But you mentioned Jalen Warren like he definitely was the next man up. Dwayne did mention it. TJ Watt with that torn peck. Hate to see it. it was already out there making a bunch of plays as he does seemingly every week that he puts on a pair of shoulder pads. But yeah, Chase Claypool did have 24 rush attempts his first two seasons. Now he's on pace for 24 rush attempts in the first four weeks of this year. So not exactly expecting that to keep up. But obviously, you know, we said with Debo, Dwayne, rush attempts in place of targets. No bad rush attempts as an extra side on as a little dessert after dinner. That is absolutely great. New Orleans Saints. Changed. Hey, 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 whoa, 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 Is that you're not you're you're, you're not going to talk about Zach Gentry? What's up? His forty percent route rate. I didn't want to embarrass <laughs> you. Man. Hey, well, uh, we do have to talk about Fryermuth. That's why I actually brought it up. Seventy-seven percent route participation for Fryermuth. That's almost eighty percent we want. Uh, Twenty-seven percent target share for Pat Fryermuth. Uh, so that was second on the team be behind Deontay Johnson. I have a feeling that behind Deontay, Ian, this could be a frustrating situation from yeah. week to week. Like, is it going to be Claypool? Is it going to be Pickens? But at the end of the day, all we can do is give credit to Firemuth. You know, he's a guy that kind of flashed last year a little bit. Like we, we talked about him as being not someone with the upside of being one of those elite guys, but maybe the next step could be being like a Zach Ertz, right? It, it maybe being a Dalton Schultz type. He definitely showed that today. So I thought perhaps, Pat Fryermuth did a really nice job. 2.42 yards per route run as well. So a uh, good opening weekend for the second-year tight end. Pat Fryermuth, or as he's also known, Cole Komet, but actually good. 
at football. <laughs> New Orleans Saints took down the Atlanta Falcons 27 to 26. This was another witching hour masterpiece. Saints had a 17 to 3 run in the fourth quarter. Michael Thomas beating AJ Terrell not once but twice for touchdowns after having little to nothing going on in the first half of the game, playing through the pain of that hamstring injury. Finished with 57 yards and those pair of touchdowns. Shout out Jarvis Landry, seven catches, 114 yards himself. Chris Olave, only three targets. They catch all of them and added on two points conversion looked awfully smooth doing so as you as i'm obligated to say anytime you mention chris alave so yeah man really was michael thomas and jarvis uh leading the way troubling usage for alvin kamara joined just nine carries only had four targets out there still seeing mark ingram we had Taysom hill come in his drive and do awesome things but it just annoys us because it's Taysom hill and none of us have started him but obviously i understand Taysom hill very good at football when given the opportunity but we'll quickly with kamara because we know Michael Thomas when he's out there and he's getting his that he, he's capable of doing this. And it was nice to see Landry and Alave, but I would just say, you know, you see the Saints put up 27 points. You probably be expecting Alvin Kamara to have, I don't know, man, at least 50 total yards. Wasn't the case today. Yeah. I mean, he was at 62% of the snaps, which is like, that's better than what he used to be. Right. You know, until like the last couple of years. Um, so we used to be able to get, you know, 20, 25 points a game out of Alvin Kamara, even when he was out there for 40% of the snaps. Uh, but 62% today is still solid. 53% of the rushing attempts still good. Like for him, the biggest thing that I noticed Ian is only a 45% route participation. This is a guy that we're used to seeing around 65% and being highly effective on it. We talked about him in the preseason. Would Jameis continue to target him? We didn't see him do it as much last year. Uh, as to what we were used to with Drew Brees. Um, he did get a 13% target share, which wasn't bad. His targets per route run, 21%. You know, So, I mean, when he was out there, the target rate wasn't bad. But, like, for Kamara, we really want that 18 to 20%. So it's only week one. I don't want to overreact. But at the end of the day, that 45% number is definitely, you know, what caught my eye the most. Real quick on Michael Thomas, I do have to say, like, gutting it through 81% route participation, you know, despite, you know, fighting through the, the hamstring stuff. But, man... 27% target share in your first game back. Like that's just like, and Jarvis Landry too, 27% target share. That's the other thing. So when you look at Jarvis Landry, you know, it was interesting. Like today, his average depth of target was 15. Like we expected him to work more underneath. Like Jameis is just pushing everything down the field. So there's still room right now underneath for Kamara to kind of be the guy to operate. Um, again, it's only one week. Eight dots in a one-week sample can be really wacky, right? We really want to look at him over, you know, over a, a period of time. But it was really nice to see that. And Olave was out there plenty. So I'll leave it at that. 83% route participation for him is really those three guys were kind of the main ones rotating. Michael Thomas also had two drops out there, so it could have been an even bigger performance for him. Jameis did get banged up, had to go into medical tent, but did come back and went over and ate that W. Love. I, I just think the NFL is more fun when Jameis is a starting quarterback. I'm not going to apologize for you know being a fanboy with that dude sometimes. All right, with the Falcons, though, Dwayne, the real main event here, our guy Cordero Patterson. 22 carries, 120 yards, and a tutty chipped in another 16 receiving yards. Now, he did have Damian Williams leave the game very early with a rib injury, and Williams actually was getting some pretty good run, even ahead of CPAT for stretches before, but we're talking about like a 10-snap sample here. I think we all know that CPAT is going to be the featured running back when he's out there. And now, Dwayne, 
going back to the first half of last year to now. So the first, until he sprained his ankle against the Cowboys, he's been the RB 36, the RB 4, 19, 1, 16, 19, 11, 7, and hell, man, with 136 yards and a touchdown today, I have a hard time believing he's going to be outside that top 8, top 10 again. So Cordero Patterson, the shining bright spot because we got Kyle Pitts, you know, freaking 19 yards on just two catches, had the seven targets, which was good. Drake London had a decent debut with 74 yards, but really in Atlanta, unless you were just somehow starting Marcus Mariota and you got to live with his 72 rushing yards and the score, CPAP was the offense. And it could be this way every single week, Dwayne. The guy's that freaking good. Why wouldn't you give him the ball every play? I would have been doing this 10 years ago. Yeah, man. 65% snap share, 54% of the routes. Uh, sorry, 54% route participation, 67% of the team's rushing attempts. That's the number that I think would have definitely been lower, right, if Damian Williams stayed in the game. Um, but the other ways that they were getting Patterson involved, like, were still going to happen. And again, like, once you watch the two players, like Damian Williams, and it was short, it was a small sample, just wasn't wasn't doing much. And as soon as you put CPAT on the field, it's just like, it's it's a whole different, you know, it's just a different game, like with him out there. So I don't see how they can keep him off the field, but he had uh, 60% of the long down and distance, but Avery Williams, just a name to keep an eye on. I, I, I don't, I don't know how bad Damian Williams's injury is. I, he's a guy I didn't look up before the show. So I have to keep an eye on that. But Avery Williams, you know, was the guy that came in and pretty much took the role that Damian Williams left behind. So a name to keep in mind. Look, we really don't want early down bangers, right, on teams that are going to probably be trailing plenty. And we also don't know, like, Tyler Algier was inactive today, right? They could easily make him the guy that they want to have active next week. But I think to your point, the big thing is definitely Patterson. Real quick on Kyle Pitts. Folks, calm down. He's still out there, 84% of the snaps, 72% of the routes. He did block a little bit. Yes, he didn't get to the 80%, but I'm really not worried about it. He's going to be there. Um, most of his routes came from the slot and in line. He was not lining up wide, so he wasn't facing off against all the cornerbacks. I think it's only a matter of time for Kyle Pitts. I think he's going to be fine. Um, you know, and, and, and still, 22% target share, right? It's still not bad. It just didn't work out today. 32% of the team's air yards, um, that was still first on the team. You know, so 30% to Drake London was second. London played through a knee injury, and he was out there for 82% of the route. So I would guess London will be more like in the 90% range once he's fully healthy. That was the big takeaway I had here with Pitts. Uh, when I ran the numbers, it was in the middle of Sunday Night Football, so I think uh, I saw Brashad Perryman was actually getting up there in the unrealized air yards leaderboard. But when I pulled it, it was Brandon Cooks, number one, with the largest difference between their air yards and their receiving yards. This is basically the basis of Josh Hernsmeyer, PFF's finest by low model, and we'll maybe get him on the pod here soon. At a minimum, we'll be talking about all this fantastic work. But number two on the week, pre-Sunday Night Football was Kyle Pitts with 74 unrealized air yards. So haven't gotten eyes on the game just yet to tell you, you know, how many of those were regular air yards, how many of those were prayer yards. But either way, yeah, don't panic on Kyle Pitts, people. It's going to take at least a few more weeks uh, before we get to that point. I think that's about it for this one, Dwayne. Any final words? No, I think that's it. Um, Kyle Pitts, I would still consider like he's in your top three. And if 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 you if you have a you know a manager in your league that is panicking about Kyle Pitts, like you just kind of go gentle knock on the door girl scout style you know and see what you can get done gentle that's not that's not I'm trying to intimidate him here we're trying to get a deal done. okay <laughs> chicago, chicago bears 19 san francisco yeah. san francisco 49ers 10 
Oh my God. I sent out a freaking tweet last week, making fun of the bears with this stupid little peewee team and the amount of Chicago wins. I held on to that tweet and just wanted to throw it in my face. Good for you guys. I was wrong. I'm an idiot. You guys are, you know, we go through the whole happy Gilmore thing. You guys are good looking. I'm not, you guys are athletic. I'm just, you know, stiff as a board over here. Like it's just bad call by me. Fair play. Justin Fields in the entire city of Chicago. That was a great win. And you know, you can say, Oh, they just won because of the rain and all that same conditions. The 49ers had to deal with and the bears came out with the W. So certainly wasn't easy. Looked like early on, it could uh, just be a San Francisco 49ers being able to run the football and still their will, but they lost Elijah Mitchell to a knee injury fairly early on. And just the offense couldn't really get going, man. Now playing in a monsoon, Yes, that's that's a good reason for it. But Tyler Croft was wide open for a 30-yard touchdown. Trey Lance couldn't hit him. And generally, it was just an erratic performance from Lance. So saw, saw a couple good strikes here or there. Same thing with Justin Fields. I mean, when he rolled out to his left and looked back, right, man, it was the ultimate just no, no, no. Yes, okay, great uh, type of play out there. Um, ended up getting that long touchdown to Dante Pettis. And then had you know a better throw, I think, overall to Equinemius St. Brown, who scored within seconds of his brother Amonra. That was like one of the best parts of the afternoon. So Dwayne, in terms of like passing performance, because we're still trying to get a read on both these guys, like I'm willing to kind of throw this game out of the picture because my God, like you watched, I've almost never seen a football game like this look like that on my television. Like I was seeing new colors on the field. I wasn't used to seeing because of all the water out there. So focusing less on the quarterback's passing performance and more on the usage we were seeing in the offense. The first big takeaway in San Francisco is the Debo Samo running back experience is going absolutely nowhere. It's going absolutely nowhere. You're right. Yeah. Like, like mean, it's still here. Yeah, <laughs> no, I know. I know. You kind of confused me for a second. Uh, and I was like, uh, okay, like whatever. Ian looked at the wrong data. <laughs> yeah. 22%, you know, of the rushing attempts to Debo. Uh, and then the, the quarterbacks, both very involved. You know, 28% of the rushing attempts to Trey Lance. And then Justin Fields, 21%. So we were kind of concerned, like, hey, would this new coaching? Now, they did not run the ball that much, right? Because the Bears were trailing much of that game until the end. And so they didn't really have a lot of plays on the ground, but Fields was very involved with them and they were getting in the design looks. So that's really good for both of those. We expected it for Lance. It was, we thought it would probably happen for Justin Fields, but we still had a question, right? New coaching staff coming in. The last coaching staff didn't do it. Um, we didn't know, we don't know how Justin Fields feels about it, but you know, a fifth of the time when the bears were running the ball today, it was Justin Fields. So I think that's a real positive for both of those guys. Like you mentioned, uh, very bad conditions. Neither one of them completed even 50% of their passes, but they can only go up from here. So that's the positive, you know, around Trey Lance and Justin Fields, very involved on the ground. Brandon Ayuk, man, for the 49ers out there for 100% of the routes, uh, 8% target share, but it's, it's just kind of tough, man. When you got Debo Samuel with a 27% and today it was Jawan Jennings, uh, working from the slot with the 49ers and a game script that, you know, really forced them to, to throw the ball more as well. I say throw the ball more. They didn't throw it a lot, but 23% target share to Jawan Jennings. He was out there 78%, but it's still clearly Ayuk Debo. We did not have Kittle today. So that's that. Um, I'll, I'll hand it back to you and I'll, I'll hit some of these bears here in a minute. I don't know how much longer you want me to go on these guys. <laughs> Last point on the 49ers, Trey Lance, bad. I get it. 13 rush attempts though, Dwayne. And now we take those, you know, three stars and the extended appearance where he had a bunch of rush attempts too. He's averaging 11 rush attempts per game. That, extrapolates 17 games out to 187 rush attempts over the course of an entire season. Lamar Jackson is the only quarterback in NFL history to ever even clear 150 rush attempts in a season. So, Hey, I know Jimmy G's on the roster. Trey Lance needs to improve. 
I'm not backing down after one week. I think Trey Lance is still very much set up to be a very good to great fantasy football quarterback, even if he can only be a mediocre real life guy in the year 2022. Real quick, uh, though. Besides yeah. Debo, it was all Jeff Wilson. So yeah, that's exactly. the other note. Yeah. Good. So if that's where you're going, yeah, they did not. It was just Debo and Jeff Wilson once Elijah Mitchell left the game. Now, you didn't have TDP active. They actually had Mason active today, but he did not see the field uh, on offense. So I would expect TDP to be active in the future if Mitchell is going to miss time. But Jeff Wilson, Dwayne, is going to be the guy on the cover of every waiver wire. It's almost like I might have actually called him the streamer of next week earlier this week on the podcast and advised everyone to go pick him up because something like this could happen. Slash, we just kind of thought that Wilson would be the RB2 based on that sweet, sweet preseason usage. So Wilson was bad out there. I'm not trying to sit here and victory lap something that hasn't even happened yet, but it does seem like Jeff Wilson is going to be out there on the cover of the waiver wires. And at least compared to some of the other guys, I think we're going to get to uh, Dwayne, his utilization. I certainly feel better uh, moving forward. Less, you know, I don't think it was, this is, this is not a situation where it was like a fluky productive performance. This is something where we're looking ahead to the utilization that should really be close to an RB one, if not an RB RB two, if not an RB one. So, yeah. And what's interesting with Wilson, like he was already going to be the passing down guy. And with Elijah Mitchell out, like he kept all of that besides what Debo took. Right. And so like, it's an opportunity where he could actually have a role. We'll see. Look, it's the 49ers, man. They'll probably do something stupid next week. That'll make us all be like, Oh my God, why did we go after Jeff Wilson? It should have been Tyrion Davis price or it should have been Mason. Like we, it, it'll, it, who knows what will ultimately happen, but with Jeff Wilson, just know that he was already the passing down back. So if he does pick out some of the, he picks up some of the base down work, he potentially has a role that was actually, that's actually larger than what we were planning on for Elijah Mitchell. Not as an, he's not, he's not as explosive as Elijah Mitchell. Um, so he's not going to give you as many of the big plays, but still opportunity is what really matters. And he could actually carve out a, a decent role. So we'll have to see. Only 17 pass attempts for fields. So not going to hold the production against any of his pass catchers too much in this one. With that said, Cole Komet was losing a good amount of work to Ryan Griffin. Dwayne, did you see enough of a rotation here with the Bears tight ends to kind of reinforce of what we were pretty much saying throughout the preseason that Komet just really wasn't someone we were willing to buy at a premium in that late round, late round tight end game? Yeah, and you were lower on Komet than me. And like like 71% route participation, participation today. Like so... It's fine. Like that, that, that can still be a low, low end tight end one, right? That can be a high end tight end two. Um, but I don't know if that's like his baseline. Is he going to have spikes past that? Is he going to have weeks where he's lower than that? Is that just where he's going to be? It's only one data point so far. But to your point, Ryan Griffin was out there a decent amount, 42% route participation for him. Uh, and he actually had a 12% target share where Cole Komet only had a 6% target share. So I think it's too early to bell on Cole Komet. Like if you're a Cole Komet truther, this should not be enough to make you bell. If you were just real tepid already on Cole Komet and you weren't really sure you liked him anyway, then you're probably like, okay, one more week and I'm bailing, you know, if, if this doesn't work out. Um, but we'll talk about some other tight ends as we go. Final note here in this one, Chicago Bears backfield, David Montgomery. Yeah, he led the way in snaps. He led the way in rushes. He even led the way in targets out there. Khalil Herbert, though, did contain look like the far better player. Herbert, five yards per carry. David Montgomery, just 1.5 yards per carry. Herbert even managed to get the goal line touchdown. So, Dwayne, like Montgomery is still clearly the featured back here, but it does seem lesser so than last year. I mean, looking at the final numbers, Montgomery, 66% snap rate. It wasn't uncommon at all last year to see him, you know, well over that 80% mark. So at a minimum, Montgomery, 
I feel like kind of where he was being ranked, you know, RB20, RB21 spot, that's probably about where he should be in the weekly rankings. Probably not someone that we're actually going to be booming up as much as maybe would have thought if he was going to continue to have last year's usage. Yeah, I mean, if he all of a sudden started playing better, like it would be different. Like his utilization is actually what an RB1 looks like. But, you know, he has just not really been that great. Like 66% of the snaps, 67% route participation, that's elite. Uh, 53% of the rushing attempts, that's good, not great. Uh, definitely not elite, but 100% of the short down and distance, right? So he's going to have opportunities to score touchdowns if the Bears can get there. Uh, long down and distance, 77%, and two-minute offense, 80%. So, like, it's really mostly Montgomery, a little bit, you know, of Khalil Herbert. To your point, it's a, it's, it's a little less than what we saw last year, but that's still a really strong profile. Now, to your point, Khalil Herbert did look better than he did. So it's something where Herbert could continue to chip away at that. Uh, but what we saw from Herbert in the preseason in the passing game, he was really bad in pass pro. Um, and that's something David Montgomery is really good at. So I would expect Montgomery to at least keep like the two-minute offense, long down and distance. Maybe you see Herbert chip away at some of that early down utilization. Um, but I think if you drafted Montgomery uh, and you were getting him, you know, when he was falling, you know, we weren't an advocate of taking him. We were like passing him in these football guys drafts. But seeing this 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 week, you know, I, I feel decent about him as being your RB2 probably for the rest of the way. We'll, we'll have to keep an eye on it. But I think you'll in most more weeks than not, you're going to be OK living with him as your RB2. You're not going to be like running around going, I got David Montgomery like it's not going to be like that. But you're going to be like. Okay, I got David Montgomery. Like it's, I'm, you know, it could be worse. You know, <laughs> if you have really good receivers, you'll be okay. He's gonna be, you know, a low end RB two, and we're just gonna <laughs> live with it from that point. So, Eagles thirty eight, Detroit Lions thirty five. Lions got spicy there at the end, fourteen unanswered points in the fourth quarter, but the Eagles were able to put it away when it mattered. So, did have just just one small sheesh in this one. Hurts almost had his second rushing touchdown, got tackled at the half yard line. So, almost was a much bigger day for him. But man, you get those ninety rushing yards and a score on the ground, what else really matters at that point. But no passing touchdowns because Hurts, Kenneth Gamewell, Boston Scott, and yes, for the first time in 632 days, Miles Sanders finally found himself back into the end zone. Really great game from Sanders, 13 carries, 96 yards, and that score chipped in there, nine receiving yards to get over the century mark. But Dwayne, the real star of the day, A.J. Brown wide receiver one season as always 10 catches 155 yards on 13 targets absolutely dominant out there and you know we talked about it in the offseason like could this be a situation where this is the year that AJ Brown just goes ballistic and plays like the top three top five wide receiver talent that we know he is certainly a good start to the year on that so you know looking at AJB 13 targets again. He had only he had 10 more targets in just six of 48 career games with the Titans. So not a given that they're going to keep this up, you know, throughout the entire season. I, I'm pretty sure Devontae Smith will catch a pass at some point in the year 2022. Dallas Goddard only had four targets in this one. Kenneth Gamble only had four targets in this one. But man, Dwayne, seeing Hurts go out there and be a good, not great passer. You know, he was still 18 for 32, but like a dime down the right sideline to AJB. He just had 155 yards in their first game together. Like AJ Brown, someone that we had, you know, a little bit more in that wide receiver one borderline. Are you ready to get him right back up there? Kind of in the Devonte Adams, Tyreek Hill group, because for the first time of AJB's career, he actually might not be working at a target deficiency like he had to in Tennessee. Right. Well, I think the big thing here, um, you know, if we look at the Eagles, they were not run heavy today. Um, they were actually dropping back and throwing the ball. We just had, we didn't know for sure what this team was going to be for the first four games last year. They were throwing the ball all the time. 
you know, then are they shifted over into this mode where they turn into one of the most run heavy teams in the league. So we figured they're probably somewhere in between that, but they could be towards one extreme more than the other. Either way, we weren't for sure. So I think that's the most positive thing that came out of the game for all of the pass catchers today for the Eagles was the fact that really the Eagles were still more in that pass first mode. We did see them, even when leading, continuing to throw the ball more than running the ball. So I think that's that's the big thing to hang your hat on from this game. Like you mentioned with Brown, man, 95% route participation. So out there all the time, 44% target share, 71% of the team's air yards. And look, AJB, we talked about him all, all offseason. Um, like his talent profile itself grades like a top five player. Like everything you want to look at is receiving grade, is yards per route run, is ability to demand targets, targets per route run. Like all of those things have really basically, and even like, you know, obviously looking at his fantasy points, we talked about it. If you get rid of the games where he left the game, you know, with injury, you know, and you only look at healthy games, like he's a guy that's been between 18 and 19 fantasy points per game. And so we knew this was possible. So yeah, I think you have to be excited. I think you keep him right there on that low end wide receiver one. Like he's probably, to your point, they're going to have games where these other guys get involved. But it's great to your point to see them really click, you know, out of the gate real quick on everybody else. Pretty much the same people were involved, but on the backs, it is a three way committee. Still, it's Miles Sanders in the lead, uh, 51 percent of the snaps. Kenneth Gainwell, 31 percent of the snaps and Boston Scott out there for 20 percent. Boston Scott did still uh, a touchdown, you know, in the game. You're also going to have to deal with Jalen Hurts. So. Miles Sanders is a guy that if you can move him, if someone happens to be excited about him and they're just saying, oh, 13, 96 yards and a touchdown, I would absolutely move Miles Sanders because he's in the same situation he was in last year. He's not getting the two-minute offense, didn't get 13%. He's not getting the long down and distance, 15%. That all went to gain well. He did get half of the short down and distance work where Boston Scott poached like the other 38%. And then, of course, you know, Jalen Hurts was also involved in those plays too. So if you can move Sanders, I, I don't think this backfield is changing. It's going to continue to be three dudes. That's just the way it is. And so this will probably be one of Miles Sanders' better games of the season if you can move him. And, hey, he averaged 7.4 yards per carry in this one. He averaged 5.5 yards per carry last year. The Eagles very much look like probably one of the league's better offenses out there, big, badass offensive line. Sanders could find a way to just outperform his volume, but we're not you know, we're not trying to live on exceptions here. We're trying to follow the guys with the most overall volume, and Sanders is going to have his back against the wall. And we're not saying give him away, right? Don't give him away. It's But if someone now looks at him and thinks that Miles Sanders is a mid-range, high-end RB2, they're probably wrong, right? So you want to take them up on that offer. If you're still thinking of Miles Sanders as a high-end RB3, you shouldn't sell him for less than that, right? He's still a high-end RB3, but if someone's willing to pay you a high-end RB2 price tag, then that's what you're trying to get. On the Lions side of things, DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams, pretty excellent day. Second straight week one, uh, they've managed to do that. Swift led the way, 65% snaps, 15 carries, 144 yards, and a touchdown. Looked explosive out there, man. 50-yard rush. And someone that we've had questions about, you know, in terms of just how good could he be as a rusher? Because a lot of his underlying metrics, like, they, we've kind of, like, ignored them tried to put like a grain of salt with them because they say that he's one of the bottom five ten rushers in the league and you watch deandre swift play football and you know that he's not uh one of those people particularly in the passing game so it was good to see swift continue to really put together more good film on the ground and in his defense last year before he got injured he was starting to come on really strong that steelers game and i think it might have been the rams he had a, some real nice stuff too but 
DeAndre Swift, Jamal Williams, Dwayne. I, I think it was what we expected. And luckily for Jamal Williams' sake, being a part of a little bit better Detroit Lions offense this year, he found his way into the end zone two times. Still not going to be someone that we're absolutely lining up to play on a week-by-week basis. But hey, man, Jamal Williams getting 12 touches in this one. DeAndre Swift obviously doing his thing, still managing to catch three passes and be that explosive player in the run game. These are two guys that I think you should be pretty happy to have on your fantasy team. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, Williams is going to be a tough guy to get in your lineup as a starter. But if you're in a situation once we get to the bye weeks, right, or you play in a deep league, you know, or you got multiple flex spots, then a guy like Jamal Williams can really come in handy. And look, if something happens with Swift, again, don't want that to happen. But Williams has shown us that he's got a three down profile. Like he's he's shown that before with Aaron Rodgers. He's not explosive like DeAndre Swift is, but he can do everything that's need that you know the team is going to ask him to do. Um, but yeah, Swift, man. 67 percent this isn't close it's not close to being a 50 50 that was the one concern that we had is that what if it turns out to be more of a 55 45 or a 50 50 this year it wasn't 67 percent of the snaps to deandre swift 33 percent to jamal williams it is nice they're the only two backs involved we don't have a third back here 66 percent route participation again elite that is like at the level that we've seen camara have like his best seasons 57% of the rushing attempts for him versus 39% for Jamal Williams. 100% of the long down and distance work. They did not use the two-minute offense today, so I can't tell you anything about that. But Jamal Williams did get the two touchdowns, uh, but they they came after some long plays. Um, so I don't know how much of that counts because at the end of the day, on all of the short down and distance plays for the game, uh, DeAndre Swift still handles 67% and 33% to Jamal Williams. So typically, whoever is handling the short down and distance work is also who's going to handle the work inside the five. So my guess is, is this is really just kind of a 65-35 across the board, right? You know, uh, besides the, I think all the two-minute offense will go to DeAndre Swift. But I think it's pretty much 65-35 um, across the board with these two. Jamal got more of the goal line stuff, but it's one of those situations where Swift, it, they're not refusing to give Swift the ball at the goal line. I think it might just kind of add it up like that with Jamal being out yeah. there for it. So either way, good to have both those guys. And as we know, Jamal Williams does have, you know, that extra handcuff potential should Swift go down. Why? We were hyping him up pretty much for the past seven months. Love to see that come to fruition in week one. Now, Dwayne, I'm handling more production duties with uh, this podcast here. I kind of messed up the intro earlier, so my bad about that, everyone. But going forward, I got to get a special sound effect for our guy, Amon Ross St. Brown, the sun god himself. So I'm sort of like levitating god-like sound because I don't know how to describe the guy at this point. Last seven games, he's had 10 catches, eight, eight, nine, eight, eight, eight. Like, who does this, man? Is this... We keep saying he can't be Cooper Cup, but Cooper Cup's the only other guy I see catching eight passes this much again. Targets, 12, 12, 11, 11, 11, 10, 12. The guy's been a wide receiver one in six of the last seven games, assuming he gets there at the end of this one. By the end of Sunday afternoon, Amon Ra was at eight catches, 64 yards, and a touchdown. Thank God he didn't crash my week one helicopter. I know I said two and over 100 yards, but if I give you 20 PPR points, we're going to freaking call that a W, everyone. The bar has been lowered, and you know we've seen darker days there. So we're going to take the dub with Amon Ra St. Brown. And, you know, Dwayne, I had him ranked, I want to say, like wide receiver 17 or 18 last week, like high enough like to get him in every freaking lineup possible. But how many how many more times do we have to see this before we're just like, okay, the guy's a wide receiver one every week. Maybe it's about time we rank him as a damn wide receiver one. 
Yeah, you got to rank him at this point as a, at least a mid-range wide receiver two. You get another week like this. You're just going to have to go wide receiver one. But we've talked about, I don't know, there's probably no one we've talked about more than Amon Ra this offseason. You know, the 80.0 PFF rookie receiving grade. We've talked about the list that associates with every everything we talk about with Amon Ra St. Brown checks checks every box but you still have people i even had him on today on twitter <laughs> oh man it's still because somebody was hurt last year and i'm like okay guys like what else you want the guy to do like everybody's healthy right now 32 percent target share seven games in a row these eclipse a 30 percent target share like i mean at some point you just have to be like okay well guess what really good players get targeted that's what happens then i had somebody come back and be like well you know they were trailing the whole game what does trailing have to do with the target share you still have to go earn a target whether you're leading whether you're trailing whether you're in a tied game like it's not a check down to a running back you know so i mean yeah like amon Ra, you just got to get on board you know i mean if not fine you're already getting steamrolled if you're not on board like you're just getting bulldozed so like good luck to you shout out dj chart did have a touchdown and a bunch of unrealized air yards still gonna be more of a boomer bust guy than anything let's not get too carried away with this Lions offense but 35 points is 35 points great there'd be great in detroit other than the real life loss of course dolphins 20 patriots 7 didn't get eyes on this one uh for the full time it was kind of a boring game i didn't see red zone cutting to it all that often but we did get the Jalen waddle 42 yard touchdown on the slant split two defenders gone to the end zone the camera or the goalpost was blocking him, like doing his little penguin waddle celebration. But it was almost better because then they cut to like four to the fans. Just, yeah, just four <laughs> drunk ass like white dudes just like waddle, uh, waddling around. I was fucking dying out there. So that was a fun moment. And Tyreek, man, eight catches, 94 yards on the 12 targets. Just doing a lot of what he did in Kansas City last year. And, you know, I saw uh, just some smarter football minds than even myself in, in the industry is talking about how the sort of fallacy like of the idea that Tyreek was only running like goes in Kansas city. Like, nah, he's been a lot more than that for a long time. And he really can just be a weapon underneath. And that's how Mike McDaniel used him in this one again with those 12 targets, eight catches, 94 yards. So Dwayne, what do you think though, moving forward about Waddle? Because obviously saved his day with that 42 yard touchdown catch. He looked fast as hell out there. Like I didn't look like someone that we were kind of wondering about throughout this week, if he was going to be a hundred percent, but Tyreek with those 12 targets, Waddle with five, this was a game where we did see the Dolphins, you know, not exactly air the ball out a ton, but also not completely ignore their run game. Waddle, low-end wide receiver, too. I feel like he's maybe, you know, talking about him versus Deontay and these other guys, Waddle's the one that maybe we just moved down a little bit. I think you're still going to see it be mostly focused on these two players. It just so happened that today 39% of the targets went to Tyreek and 16% went to Waddle. My, my belief all along has been 50% between these two guys. I think there are going to be days where it swings to waddle. I think there are going to be days where they're very close. Like they were used interchangeably today. 3.03 yards per route run for Tyreek Hill. 2.46 yards per route run for Jalen Waddle. 9.4 ADOT for Jalen Waddle. 9.5 ADOT for, for Tyreek Hill. It matches exactly what Mike McDaniels, which was cracking me up when he got to the stadium and he turned around. Did you see this? No. And he was hit and he was hitting the button on his car to make sure it was locked. And then he was checking, you know how they're videoing the coaches as they're walking up. And then he's checking his pockets. Did I forget my keys in the car? <laughs> <laughs> and then I think he just realizes I'm on camera and he just turns and walks into the building. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I think they're going to be used interchangeably. So if somebody's really down on Waddle in your league and you can go scoop him, I would, I think, you know, I think Tyree kill obviously is like an elite player. We think Jalen Waddle profile is an elite player as a rookie, but you're going to give the nod to Hill. But would it surprise us if it's 26% target share to Tyreek Hill and 24% to Jalen Waddle? That, that's what I'm thinking. So I think they're still going to be very close. So I'm all in on Jalen Waddle. 
with the backfield. Chase Edmonds. This is one of those performances, Dwayne, where I think if you just box score watch, you're not going to be that pleased because yep. he did have 25 scoreless rushing yards. Did catch four passes for 40 yards. I guess it's really looking closer at it, though, and realizing that even though Mike McDaniel found a way to get, let's see, seven different players' rush attempts at one point or another, getting creative out there, love to see that. In terms of running back usage, it really was just Chase Edmonds. And even in terms of rushing work, Raheem Moser was a distant second this is kind of what we were hoping for, Dwayne. Chase Evans getting that Austin Eckler-esque role in Miami. That's basically what we saw here. That's exactly what he has. And an offense that could be absolutely explosive. Remember, he did deal with a growing injury early in the week. He then went to limited. Then he went to full practice and he was removed. So that could still be a little bit what's lingering here. But it, perfect way to explain it, Ian. Like, and this is where I love the utilization report is for guys like this. Because if you, you just look at the box score, like you said, 12 attempts, 25 yards. You're like, oh my God, meh. Right now, he did have the four targets. You would see that, which you would know is good. But 63% of the snaps, 57% route participation, right? Like we'd like that to be like 60, 65%, but he's still well over the 50% mark, 52% of the rushing attempts, 80% of the long down and distance, almost 70% of the short down and distance work. So he was not even giving away the, you know, the, you know, the heavy lifting carries to Raheem Mostert. He was keeping all of it. He was essentially a near every down back in this offense, 13% target share. Um, so yeah, this is a guy that if you can buy on the cheap, I think you absolutely want to do it. Um, we know he's got the receiving chops, explosive playmaker. Like this is about as good as of a utilization line as you could hope for with a guy like Chase Edmonds. We've never really seen him even be over a 30%, you know, kind of guy. And to have 52% of the rushing attempts, I, I was, I was excited. Like I, I knew the passing down work was going to come, but to see him get to fit to get to 50% of the rushing attempts, I thought that was a huge thing for Chase Edmonds. Honestly, this is a very, very solid profile for a mid range RB two that we could be talking about as an RB one as soon as next week. And to not have the third running back involved also just huge because yes. you know, we, we, we think we have these backfields figured out. Then there's a random freaking Rodney mm -hmm. Smith that comes out of nowhere. He didn't even know who he was before the game started. Finally, you know, if you hadn't heard us say it enough times already, Mike just said he can't do it. He's not even playing full time here. 42% snap rate only had actually one target in this one. Can't do it. We'll let you guys know if that changes in the future. But for now, just can't do it. 40% route participation. That just equals cut. <laughs> yeah, cut him. Cut him, don't think twice. You can cut him right now. Speaking of three RB backfields, yep, the Patriots, they did it again, Dwayne. Every damn year, we get through the whole offseason, and guess what? James White did retire. J.J. Taylor did get cut. Kevin Harris did get cut. Ty Montgomery, Undertaker, he did not go down with the injury. Everyone thought he did in the preseason. He was active, and because of that, just the, the grossest usage, <laughs> utilization that we've gotten on the entire like take it away Dwayne tell the people how terrible this was and if you're a Ramondre Stevenson truther I'm sorry like I wouldn't have even wish this upon my worst enemies like what you guys have to go through here in this yeah it's uh I mean this I said on Twitter it's a triple x rated rbbc like you just don't want any part of this like your mom's not gonna let you watch this like your mom will not let you watch this it's bad you shouldn't be involved with it only bad things are going to happen to you if you deal with triple X, you know, rated R, you know, running back by committee situations. That's what you have. 39% of the snaps to Damian Harris, 36% to Ty Montgomery, 25% to Ramondre Stevenson. We Bill couldn't Belichick, even get a 40%. That's when you Bill, know it's. Yeah. Just, oh. And Bill Belichick's full of shit. They also still did have specific niche roles. 91% of the passing down work went to Ty Montgomery. The new and improved Ramondre Stevenson, lighter, quicker been working on routes zero percent zero 
0%, 11% route participation. Like, I, I think I had more route participation participation today, and I'm sitting at my desk in, in Texas. Like, so, yeah, it was, this is really bad for Ramondre. Essentially what happened is early down work, split between Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson. So the rushing attempts, 43% to Harris, 38% to Ramondre. Uh, short down in distance, though, 100% to Damian Harris, 0% to Ramondre. So Ramondre is getting zero sub pack package work right now. Not getting short down in distance, not getting long down distance. Now they did not run the two-minute offense. Maybe Ramondre actually owns the two-minute offense, and we'll get to see that. But it's just a complete mess, man. And, and we're not – look, Ramondre is a good player. Like, he showed us that he's a good player but you got three guys involved here. And the other thing is like, if one of these guys go down Ian, how confident are you really that they're not just going to bring another third guy in? Like, I, I bet they will. They're going to do it. They always do it. And they're, I mean, Ty Montgomery, like has been injured all this time and comes out and has this big role. So like at Pierre strong, is probably going to be a, a nuisance, even if one of these other players go down. So I think the hoping for Ramondre taking over, like you're going to need like multiple things to happen for you, even though multiple things already did happen that sh that really should have unlocked Ramondre, um, you know, for week one, but it didn't. This, this feels like LaVisca all over again. Oh, I know God. it's different positions, oh, but just, this just feels like, all right, now we just need these six other guys to get hurt, <laughs> and then maybe uh, maybe he'll get a role finally. So, if just the trash week, man that works at the facility also sprains his MCL, <laughs> and they can't bring him out there. Look, it's, it's just one week, but Dwayne, we, we read the reports and heard the reports about this new Patriots offense. There's a damn tweet this morning saying, or this weekend, saying that they're considering scrapping what the new scheme and going back to last year. Like part of the allure of this backfield was the fact that it was tied to the reigning sixth, sixth ranked scoring offense. Like that was the fact last year. The Patriots were putting up a lot of points, a lot of weeks. That's how Damon Harris had 15 touchdowns. If we take this usual muddled bullshit committee, but then we take away the actual like high scoring nature of this offense that we've usually seen with the committee, like that's why we could live with it because Tom freaking Brady's leading one top 10 offense after another. Like what happened in 2020 when Cam was there? Were any of us thrilled to play really anybody in this offense? No, we really stayed away from it pretty much each and every week. And I'm not saying Matt Jones is going to be that bad, but it's not great that he suffers a back injury. The x-rays were negative. That's good. It's been bad, though. I mean, hell, that corner blitz that Mac just didn't see coming. Like, how much can we blame on Matt Patricia? It is kind of funny to blame everything on him, but certainly not uh, the start of the season we want to see from the offense. was just one week. A lot of work to do. I'm not confident about playing anybody from this passing game at the moment. We did see Devontae Parker and Jacoby Myers really taking the big-time lead there. But unfortunately, like, Hunter Henry now does have an increasingly involved Johnny Smith, even though Hunter, I think, is going to be out there more times than not. Like, Dwayne, I just don't want any of these passing game guys right now because I'm not confident this passing game is going to be any good. Yeah, Hunter Henry surprised me. 83% route participation. So that like actually did. I, I don't know if he can keep that up. Johnny was out there 54%. So it's, uh, and I haven't gone to look at like at the personnel stuff, but obviously they were using some 12 and that's how they must've used a lot of 12. And that was getting Johnny. That's probably what happened. Cause the third receivers at 54% route participation, that's Nelson Aguilar. And then you had Johnny at 54%. So they probably use 12 per personnel and 11 personnel like as their main two for the game. And so Hunter Henry did not you know, leave the field, really. So I, he's a guy we want to keep an eye on. If he does get dropped in a league, like, like if you have Gasicki and somebody drops Hunter Henry, absolutely, I would pounce on Hunter Henry. Um, this could change. 
but that 80% is really good. And then you mentioned the other two. It's pretty much what you said. Parker was out there 100%. Didn't really get targeted this time, but any any receiver that's out there for 100% of the routes is going to have a chance, um, especially Parker. We've seen him flash in the past, never been consistent or anything, but the main dude is still Jacoby. Jacoby is out there 94%, 21% of the target share, 34% of the air yards. You know, he led the team. So he's really the only guy you can feel okay about. And even with him, you're really thinking of him like, okay, like I'll, I'll put Jacoby in my wide receiver three spot, right? In a PPR, like in the standard league. Like, I don't even want to do that. Don't want to think about it. All right. Ravens 24, Jets 9, Lamar Jackson, not one, not two, but three beautiful touchdowns, all of them from the pocket. Can we put this freaking narrative to rest already? I feel like Lamar could throw for 50. He's already won an MVP, like in just the amount of highlights that are out there. Like at this point, like, I don't even think that people are racist. I just think they're stupid. I think they're ignorant at this point. If you're just going to try to say Lamar isn't this great passer. Like to me, it's more of like an intelligence check at this point, but two to Devin Duvernay, one to Rashad Bateman. That was fantastic. Unfortunately, Dwayne, we didn't see, I guess the wide receivers as centralized in Baltimore as we were hoping for, because Lord knows there's not much depth there. So we just kind of figured Rashad Bateman would be the undisputed number one. And yeah, he did lead the way with 59 yards and he had that gorgeous 55 yard touchdown catch but when you look behind the numbers look beyond the numbers a little bit here mark andrews is really the only guy that we can really say had quote-unquote elite uh kind of route numbers yeah for sure it was bothersome man like that bateman was only at 71 percent, given how weak the wide receiver room is like yeah we like devin duvernay you know i live in texas he came from you know <laughs> ut uh demarcus robinson though Really? I mean, Demarcus Robinson needs to be out there 51% of the routes. And, you know, Isaiah Likely's out there 51% of the routes. It's like, come on, man. Like, Rashad Bateman should be at 85% in this wide receiver room. Like, that that just kind of blows me away. And fine, you want to keep Duvernay out there for 60%? Then freaking quit giving snaps to Demarcus Robinson. Like, we've, we've been there. We've done that, Baltimore. Can we please move forward? Here's what I would say in Bateman. Like, look, he still – he came through for you. Um, only a 53.8 PFF receiving grade, um, you know, today. So he kind of struggled last year. He was a borderline guy for us, but at the end of the day, like his profile really suggested that within the next two years from his rookie season, he should still post a top 24 finish based on all the metrics that we look at. Um, and we just really assumed it would be this year. And I, I'm still going to lean into it happening this year and, I, and that he's going to grow this route, you know, share, but you're just going to be a little bit careful with him. Definitely don't want to cut him. Don't want to trade low on him or anything. In fact, I would trade for him if someone's real. And guess what? They're not going to be They're All they're going to know is that he scored a touchdown. You're going to know all this other cool stuff and you're going to be trying to like sell them on a trade. And he scored a touchdown. Like I'm keeping him. Like I don't care about utilization is like for dummies, you know? So, um, you're, we're going to have to wait a week, right? Probably have to wait a week till he has the same kind of utilization doesn't score. Then you can move in for Bateman and hopefully in three or four weeks that changes for him. Uh, but yeah, Andrews dude, freaking 94%, uh, routes per drop back like that is nuts for a tight end like tight ends 80 percent we've told you is elite 94 percent is like past the moon you've 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 shot around the moon and now you're headed back and you slingshot like past earth like hopefully not like straight into the sun uh but 25 percent target share uh 28 of the air yards was just slightly under bateman who had 30 percent. so yeah mark andrews i know he came up a little bit small you know for you guys in the in the box score with 10 points and 10.2 points in a ppr but uh, this is the kind of uh, profile that's going to easily be 25 and 30 point games for you uh, coming forward. Yes or no. Can we stop talking about Isaiah likely unless Mark Andrews gets injured? Yeah, he's just a stash. I, and I I've talked about this with several people and I like him, but his path to being on the field enough to give you fantasy points. It's just really tough. And this was with Nick Boyle out. 
That's their main blocking tight end. He did not play today. So if there was ever a game Isaiah likely was going to go bananas like it should have or been on the field, even if he didn't go bananas, utilization, had his utilization really gone bananas, like it was today and it didn't happen. So I'm not saying you got to cut him and if you're in a really deep league, but if you're in a shallow league, like, mm, yeah, there's going to be better things on the wire. I wouldn't be hanging around waiting on Isaiah likely. If Mark Andrews goes down, to your point, different story, but I think it's going to be really tough for him to be good enough to put in fantasy lineups. Kenyon Drake leads the backfield. One of those weird situations, shout out to uh, Nick Botiford. He's now on the Friday podcast with me when we go over injuries. He actually heard Rap Sheet's report about Kenyon Drake being the starter, so we were lucky enough to be able to tell you guys that on Friday to fully get us off Mike Davis. But, Dwayne, even then, man, I see Kenyon Drake, 58% snaps, you know, 44% route participation. Didn't seem like they were exactly going out of their way to really feed him the ball. Even though J.K. Dobbins wasn't out there, he was – trying to get out there working out and warm-ups like does seem like Dobbins is his return is imminent and Kenyon Drake man I just I think they're gonna throw the ball if they don't have these running backs and that was kind of our original assumption is Kenyon Drake someone that you want to spend any sort of you know waiver wire amount of money to get because for me it's gonna be a no dog no because you're just gonna as soon as you spend it you have no clue when Dobbins is gonna be back like if you knew that you were gonna get this for another four or five weeks I'd be like you know, you might drop a little, like depending on your roster, like what does your roster need? Um, I mean, 59% of the snaps, 57% of the rushing attempts. Um, but yeah, like with Dobbins potentially coming back and, and Kenyon Drake, like, man, he just hasn't looked good in a long time. Like that's the other thing. Like all these guys just, they suck, man. Like they're just not very good. So, um, it was still a three-way committee. Um, yeah, I I'm passing unless there's just a situation where I can get in for like a men bid. And like, I hate my RB twos. Uh, but then again, don't like go overboard. Get this. So not a single player on the chargers had more than four targets. Seven different New York jets players had at least six targets in this game. That's what happens when Joe freaking Flacco drops back to throw the ball. 62 times over the course of this one managed to get the 307 yards got a late touchdown to our guy Tyler Conklin Dwayne, as you all heard throughout the, you know, summer, we joined, I think eight or so drafts by the end of it all unfortunately we had you know to make up some ground this week with zach Ertz and mostly george kittle out of the picture i know Ertz came back and played we had to replace george kittle and sadly tight end premium tyler conklin was the best choice he did find his way into the end zone so that felt good otherwise though Dwayne, good not great news i guess i mean elijah moore was out there full-time pretty much with Corey davis and we did see garrett wilson not be a complete re relegated to number four wide receiver number four wide receiver duties with that said Braxton Berrios you know didn't exactly go away Brees Hall and Je Arthur. Jeff Smith got 12 percent like you gotta have got Jeff to. Smith got out to. there too you, I mean to. what yeah it's I mean I don't know like what are we supposed to do was do we get DJ Montgomery reps is he still on the team I mean that's... <laughs> they're, they're, they're working on it they're working on it like, <laughs> we yeah. gotta... Denzel Mims he can't be out there like anyway yeah <laughs> it, it's a rotate so 89 percent route participation for Elijah Moore you already hit it Corey Davis, 68%. Garrett Wilson, 56%. Braxton Berrios, 47%. Jeff Smith, 12%. So essentially, you've got wide receiver one, Elijah Moore, like, and whatever kind of, you know, God sound you want to make for Elijah Moore, because I know we got, if we're going to get one for a Monroe, we'll get something different for Elijah Moore. He is a badass. Um, but the other guys are really all rotating. And so Davis is leading the way, but then Wilson is getting snaps. Berrios, they're all just kind of mixing in and out. Like, eventually, maybe one of them emerges. But for right now, you cannot trust any of those three guys, any of those three guys in your lineup. Moore is really the only one you could be rolling with. 
with that backfield, though. Michael Carter, Brees Hall, yes, good. It's a two-back committee. It does seem like Michael Carter is still squarely in the need and for good in, in the lead and for good reason. Michael Carter is really good at football, but also bad reason. Why did you draft Brees Hall in the second round if you're not going to start him ahead of Michael Carter at some point? Still awfully early. Just we're going to start seeing these freaking target rates get insane again, Dwayne. And I'm not discounting Michael Carter as a receiver. I know he can do it, but my God, at this point, since week one of last year, targets per route run leaders, Naeem Hines, 26%, Cordero Patterson, 26%, Alvin Kamara, 24%, Michael Carter, 23%, and there's Saquon at 23% as well. Maybe, like, what do you rate this utilization, Dwayne? You were talking about Chase Edmonds' utilization being pretty close to RB1. I mean, even kind of raw totals aside, like assuming and knowing that Michael Carter isn't going to get nine full targets every single week, it's going to be tough to keep out of the top 24, top 25, man, if he keeps this up. Yeah, I think he's going to be he's, – he's low-end RB2, high-end RB3. His problem is the 45% uh, route participation. Brees Hall had 44%. So they're splitting the passing down work. Um, you did see the long down and distance go to Carter. They didn't use the two-minute offense very much, but that went to Brees Hall. So they're kind of figuring out how to get both of them in there. But Hall, uh, Carter was definitely ahead on the ground, like uh, 61% of the rushing attempts versus 33% for Brees Hall. And then just overall snap share was 60% to Carter and 45% to Brees Hall. The problem is like, we don't know like how much can Brees Hall chip away with that? And, you know, is it eventually just going to, could it be a 50 50 by three weeks from now? Is it a 50 50 next week? Is it a 50 50 in four weeks or does it just stay this way? I think you're, the problem is you're gonna have to worry about that like every week. Um, and that's the real challenge, but man, both of them really good through the air. Both had 16% target shares today. Targets per route run since they weren't on the field as much. 29% for Michael Carter. That's insane. 30% for Brees Hall. Yards per route run, 1.43 for Michael Carter, 1.41 for Brees Hall. Those are really good numbers for a yards per route run for a running back. So both guys very involved. Um, the problem is we just really need the Jets offense to be better. If the Jets offense was like could get rolling, like we could probably find a way to use both of these guys. Um, but yeah, I agree with you for right now, low end RB2 for Carter, high end RB3. Brees Hall really just more of a flex play, like if you're in danger somewhere else. Players this week, pre-Sunday Night Football, that had were getting targeted on at least 30% of their routes. Tyreek Hill is at 39%. That's wild. Devontae Adams, 35%. Brandon Cooks and the Monra at 33%. We talked about Donovan People Jones popping off. He was at 31%. Then we got Jefferson, Cup, Diggs, and Brees Hall at 30%. But Dwayne, arguably the most surprising guy in this group, transitioning to the commanders 28 to 22 victory of the Jaguars, Antonio Gibson. 31% targets per route. The man, did you see those catches that he was making downfield, Dwayne? The guy looked like that he has like played wide receiver in college before. And they mentioned that on the broadcast. <laughs> no, no fewer than about 30 times. But it was just good to see that from Gibson, man. He looked healthier than he had really in two years, which makes sense because we know he wasn't healthy for all of last season. Of course, you know, it's not like we're still talking about Antonio Gibson here. God forbid we actually give the man a full featured role. J.D. McKissick was still out there plenty overall. It was Gibson, 64% snaps and McKissick, 40%. But 14 carries for Gibson. He caught seven of eight targets, was able to rack up, made 130 total yards. Didn't find the end zone. But, Dwayne, while Brian Robinson is out, we can at least treat Gibson kind of like the low-end RB2 he was last year, which is a nice step up from this time three weeks ago when it was like, who wants to draft Gibson? And when you do, we're just all going to point and laugh at you. Yeah. Um, again, we we talked about Gibson multiple times. Um, and even 
you know, whenever you were kind of pushing him down lower and I was like, well, he still has the profile, right? He still is an explosive playmaker. He's a pass catching back. Like if something, and this was, I think even before the Brian Robinson stuff. So like, if something happens, like he still has outs and that's what he showed you today. Like those outs can still come through. And this is why we want explosive playmakers that can catch the ball because they can come through in this way for you. Unfortunately for Antonio Gibson, 100% of the long down and distance and 100% of the two minute offense still went to Mr. JD McKissick because that is his role. So what allowed Gibson to really uncork today? He had a 58% route participation, um, which again, like 65% is like that top level, 65% and above is like elite, but this is, that's still really good when you're over the 50%. But uh, Washington was actually just able to stay ahead, right? And they're down in distances. And because they weren't getting stuck in all those long down and distance situations that often, then Gibson was not having to come off of the field for as many of those snaps that allowed him to be on the field, you know, to your point to accumulate a 21% target share today, which was really awesome to see. And to your point, it was not, it was not something where it was just swing passes. These were down the field 3.1 a dot on the day for Mr. Antonio Gibson. Hell of a game from Mr. Carson Wentz as well. 313 yards, four touchdowns, two picks. He started off well. He threw a couple bad picks. It looks like we were starting at the same old, same old, but he came back strong in the fourth quarter. 49-yard strike for a touchdown. Terry McLaurin also found Curtis Samuel earlier in the game and rookie Jahan Dotson twice. I love how he had, you know, the Jamal Williams or Jahan Dotson. Two touchdowns for two of our favorite late-round sleepers already here in week one. So Carson Wentz. His first game, Dwayne, with four passing touchdowns since he originally injured his knee back in week 14 of 2017. So truly the best we have seen him look in quite some time. Just one week. I know it's probably not going to be a situation where Carson Wentz is. Someone we're talking about is anything other than a streamer. But for now, Dwayne, at a minimum, I think we can be more confident in someone other than Terry McLaurin putting forward a game. And my God, from the looks of this one, what? Terry McLaurin was freaking fifth on his own team in targets. So I don't think that's going to keep up week in and week out. It was awesome that even in a game where Terry only gets four targets, he managed to take one of them to the house. But Curtis Samuel and Jahan Dotson, did you see enough behind kind of the beyond the box score evidence here to trust these guys as actual like wide receiver four, wide receiver five types, as opposed to like the, well, you know, he's pretty good at football. We'll draft him around 17. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we've these are guys that we talked about based on preseason. Sometimes preseason utilization helps us, right? And sometimes it doesn't always come through. We'll have examples of that later. Um, but we really did see from the commanders that they were pretty committed to the 11 personnel groupings, right, in the preseason, um, especially with Carson Wentz on the field. We saw that carry through to today. 94% route participation for Terry McLaurin, which was first on the team. 90% to Jahan Dotson, which was second on the team, and 83% to Curtis Cant to Curtis Samuel. He was over 75% in the preseason. He did lead the team with a 26% target share. He was also involved in the rushing game, 16%. He did have a fumble. I don't think he had, I don't know if he had any carries after that, but this is a guy that we talked about. Very diverse skill set explosive playmaker, the type of guy we want to be attacking in late round of drafts. He's my most rostered player, period, across all formats, just for those reasons. Um, and so, yeah, looking at him, we know he's a good player. We know he's going to be on the field. I do think it's going to be ups and downs for all of these guys, right? Because now you've got three capable, got three capable players. This is really good news to your point for Carson Wentz. For each of them, I don't know. Like probably going to be two guys can go off each week. It's going to be tough for three of them to make it. It also probably means even though Logan Thomas came out and played a 60% route participation uh, coming off of that knee injury and meniscus, 
I think it's going to be tough, right? How's he going to really get involved with these three guys doing what they're doing? Um, but yeah, I think all of these guys should be on rosters and every single, well, I say every format, like if you're playing like in an eight team league, I see some of y'all's rosters, right? Some of you guys don't have room for Curtis Samuel, but, uh, most leagues, Curtis Samuel, yeah, should be on a roster. Eight catches, 55 yards, touchdown, four rushes, 17 yards. He lost a fumble as well. Not a perfect day, but bro, just 12 touches for him. He only had 10 touches last season in five games, 38 scoreless yards. So Curtis Samuel, well, last season was, season was a wash. In 2020, I threw this out there one time. People got really mad at me. Curtis Samuel scored more PPR points than Cooper Cup in the year 2020, Dwayne. And yeah, Cooper Cup didn't have a very good quarterback then. I don't know that Curtis Samuel exactly did either. And that's, you know, as no, enough of yeah. me comping Curtis Samuel, Cooper Cup. Just remember this, folks. Like, one of the easiest ways to get a value in every year's drafts, people just give up on injured players. They just give up on them. Now, you don't just want any. Curtis Samuel happens to be a talented player who had just gotten paid but only played like 6% played six percent of the routes last year due to a growing injury. But guess what? People are like, I'm just done. I'm are done. You saying, and he get, are you yeah, saying gro- growing or groin? Growing. Done. Growing. 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 G-R-O-I-N. <laughs> groin. Groin. Grow it, whoa, whoa, bro! You say that you've done that like three times now. Yeah. You caught me off yeah, guard so, every time. So yeah, so I say it a weird way, I guess. Uh, continue. Can't pronounce it. Like it's like Montgomery. <laughs> I'm sorry. Continue. <laughs> no, no, it's just no. I mean, the main thing is like you want to buy talented players that everybody else has given up on. Like you saw it with Saquon Barkley today. You saw it with Curtis Samuel. Like it, they're they're talented and they were hurt. So what? Like if they have a discount on them, then you want to buy it. On the Jaguar side of things, good, not great day for the Travis Etienne fan club. I'd actually say a pretty terrible day. Not not a good yeah. day, a terrible day for the Travis Etienne truthers, of which there are two on this pod. So first of all, early in the game, we could yell at Trevor Lawrence because Etienne was wide open for a touchdown. Trevor Lawrence just overthrew it. But we couldn't really hold on to that for long because then later, Etienne was wide open and he dropped an easy short potential touchdown. Up and down day for Lawrence. Someone mentioned on my Twitter that Marvin Jones is open for a touchdown, but got missed. Zay Jones kind of had a chance for an end zone touchdown, went off his hands, but also wasn't a great pass. Throughout it all, Lawrence got pressured on 43.5% of his dropback. So not going to take a ton away from Lawrence here. I am happy that we at least saw like Christian Kirk, six catches, 117 yards. Like Just for Lawrence to have 275 passing yards, man, it gives me more faith that he can just put up numbers, even in games where the Jaguars you know, are falling behind and losing. But big story here, other than Christian Kirk's, you know, aforementioned 117 yard game is the James Robinson experience, man, back team high 11 carries also caught a touchdown. He rushed for a touchdown and looked good enough averaging six yards per carry. I mean, my goodness, when our Achilles basically our entire sample group is wherever the hell Cam Akers gave us last Thursday night and Marlon Mack can't even stay on a practice squad at this point. It was just good to see James Robinson, you know, really be the rare Achilles guy that not only has the quick recovery time, but comes back and looks okay enough while doing it. So Dwayne with James Robinson now being a factor, which is awesome as much as I, again, we don't want the guy, we want everyone to be healthy and be out there. I'd love for Travis Etienne to just be AFC DeAndre Swift, like we want him to be. And for, you know, James Robinson to do his thing as well, but how feasible now that we do see James Robinson being the lead back of this, uh, two-back committee, do we think Travis Etienne is as, as a weekly starter? Uh, I would still prefer to have Travis Etienne on my roster um, over James Robinson. Robinson did look good today. He handled 60% of the rushing attempts. 
but he was not out there for the long down and distance work. He was not out there for the two minute offense work. That all he was not out there for the short down and distance work. All of that went to Travis Etienne. So it's pretty much like what we thought it was going to be, except Robinson getting a little bit more of the rushing work than what we anticipated. Like I had a third round grade on Etienne as being a player that probably wouldn't even see 50% of the rushing attempts. Like it would be slightly less than that. And it would be James Robinson leading the way, but it was, you know, ETN only at 30% of the rushing attempts. Like I thought it'd be more like 40, 45. So that's really the difference, but all the passing game work and stuff, it just didn't come through. And ETN had a tough game. Like he dropped some balls. Um, you know, they just, you know, he and he and Lawrence just weren't like completely in sync. Um, you know, you talked about there was an opportunity. There was definitely a sheesh in there for Travis yeah. Etienne as well. So uh, it's a day that just really could have gone differently. The utilization actually likes Travis Etienne. This is a guy that when I look at it, I can say, hey, this is look to your point. I wouldn't grade him as an RB one right now, which we weren't anyway. I think it's a low end RB two. Even if you want to call him a high end RB three for right now, that's fine. Um, so with ETN, like you're still, you're getting the main part of the role you want. Let's just see what happens with this, with this rushing work. Now, if Robinson obviously starts to eat into some of the passing down work, like that would be super problematic, <laughs> you know, for Travis ETN. But right now he's still hanging on to that. And I think that's going to provide value for Travis ETN, especially in PPR. It's a bigger blow today to ETN in a standard league than what it is in a PPR and a half PPR. Ty alert, Texans 20, Colts 20. Just like kissing your sister. Playing Absolutely for the tie. Disgusting. Playing for the tie. That, like, bro, that was the biggest chicken shit move ever. Are you freaking <laughs> kidding me? Come on, lovey. Fourth and three from midfield. You're coaching the Texans, man, and you just play for the tie like that. I don't get it. I mean, hey, we, we saw Lovey go back to Illinois. I guess he didn't really learn how to win, you know, there. But that that, that was just. Lovey's, Lovey's definitely not a YOLO guy. What is he, man? Is he <laughs> a liar? Of... Like, wh- wh- why tell no, us? I... Why no? Oh, I'm yeah. no. I'm getting the Damian Pierce thing. Is he just a liar, man? Like, why tell us this shit? Like, if he's just t- tell us Rex Burkhead's a starter, then the amount of reports that came out over last week just cementing it. Uh, can we just stop looking at these team depth charts, Dwayne? Because that's what happened, right? We all freaked out over an intern updating a team depth chart. Lovey Smith is not the one going to HoustonTexans.com, rearranging the depth chart and putting Damian Pierce ahead of Rex Burkhead. W- what is it? I don't think it was Damian Pierce as a starter. Is it a feature back? Did he get the first snap? Okay. Rex Burkhead dominated every single part of the game. And I'm just at a loss for words about it, Dwayne. So if you got some, I'd love to hear why, how, because, you know, you, 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 you rode me down a little bit. You know, you, you hit me over the head a few times with a hammer. Finally, I was like, you know what? Yeah, it's, it's Damian Pierce. Like, why am I worried about Rex Burkhead? But here we are after week one, Rex Burkhead had 14 carries. Pierce had 11. Rex Burkhead had eight targets. Pierce had one. Rex Burkhead played 71% of the snaps, and Damian Pierce had 29. If we flip those, if Damian Pierce had all those, we would be freaking oh, out. Be going nuts. We'd be ranking yes. this dude as like a top 15 guy, but because it's Rex Bur- Burkhead, I'm just angry, Dwayne. So what are your I, thoughts I, here? I'm just angry too, man. Like it is, it is what it is. Like they, the, the coaching staff said he was the starter for Damian Pierce, right? And they mentioned that Burkhead would be involved in passing downs. The preseason utilization backed all that up too. Damian Pierce was a starter. Rex Burkhead was out there, you know, on the passing downs. Rex Burkhead stayed in the game after they pulled Pierce off. Pierce got to rest in one of the games where they didn't want to get him hurt. So look, sometimes these things happen. But at the end of the day, like it's I would make the same decision with the same data that we had, right? Now the thing with Burkhead, he freaking can't handle this workload for long. Like there's no way this 32-year-old dude's gonna be able to handle this. So this could honestly 
and and we didn't get a lot of Damian Pierce because he ended up get you know you and I when we were drafting. I didn't you know on other teams that I drafted either because he got steamed so high to where I just backed off. But it could end up working to his advantage because Burkhead's a guy that's been pretty much hurt every single year anyway. And if he tries to hold up to this utilization. There's no way, man. He is not holding up to this, and that'll be an open door for Damian Pierce, like to have all of it. He'll then he'll be the, because Marlon Mack's not a passing down guy, and they are, they actually cut him back off the practice squad again. So, yeah, it's a situation where we'll have to wait and see. But it is you cannot, you know, Damian Pierce, and this is a game where they led, man. They were leading this game, and that should have been the Damian Pierce game script, right? The thing we warned against was, hey, the Texans are not good; they could be trailing a lot. And that's not a back that you really want to have on the field. You know, you don't really want an early down back that's on a losing offense, you know, starting in your fantasy team. Um, but today they were leading and you still only got a 29% snap share out of Damian Pierce, 12% routes per drop back, non-existent in the passing game right now. You already kind of mentioned the splits with the with the num with the uh, actual carries, but 41% of the rushing attempts to Damian Pierce, 52% to Rex Burkhead, 100% of the long down and distance, 100% of the two minute offense, all to Rex Burkhead, even the short down and distance, the thing Damian Pierce is supposed to do. Nope, not doing it. 60% to Burkhead, 40% to Damian Pierce. So Damian Pierce is definitely, he's not the starter. Like he's the backup. This, this, these numbers just say you're a backup. That's all he is right now. So we'll have to wait and see with what you guys probably spent on Damian Pierce with how out of hand he got in some of these leagues. Like you're just going to have to hold on to him. Uh, and Rex Burkhead, man, like for the weeks he can hold up and actually be healthy. Like, I mean, to your point, if, if, if his name wasn't Rex Burkhead, like if I just put my thumb over my screen right now and I'm just looking at this utilization, I'm telling you this is a low end RB one, but because it is Rex Burkhead, like, but that's still, he's probably an RB two, as long as they let him do this. Now, how much can we trust it is the question, Ian? Like, do they just change it next week? I, I don't know the answer. I can't believe they gave him this much in week one. So I don't know what your thoughts are. Other problem is that, yeah, freaking rare game where we see the Texans not only lead, man, like it wasn't like they were up seven. They were up 20 to three going yeah. into the fourth quarter in this one. Like it was like, what the hell are you waiting for? Indianapolis uh, type of situation going on here. So not only that, though, but Pierce wasn't good out there. It wasn't like he was like a Pollard Zeke game where Zeke's averaging three yards per carry and Pollard's at like nine, like Pierce and Burkhead couldn't get anything going because this is still the Texans offense. And that was the other point we tried to make pretty clear. The Texans had 77 rushing yards, but had 87 rushing yards after contact. That's how freaking miserable it was for both of these guys out there. So there's only so much Damian Pierce can do behind this offensive line and this offense that scored 20 points here. And let's face it, like two touchdowns to OJ Howard. I'm probably going to take the under on that for OJ throughout the rest of the season. Shout out. That was awesome. You know, some guy that after he got cut from the Bills, Dwayne, like I just wouldn't have been surprised if we barely heard from OJ again after that. So for him to come out and get those two week one touchdowns, fantastic news but yeah cannot feel good at all about damian pierce uh, at this point and uh like we have to rank i don't how could we as professionals Dwayne, rank damian pierce ahead of rex burkhead next week yeah i think you i think the smart move is you rank damian pierce ahead of rex burkhead and your rest of the season rankings and then that gives you an out with the fantasy masses when they come at you with venom and then you rank rex burkhead ahead for the weekly rankings and all seriousness like that's just what you have to do right it's not about you know trying to massage it you know for you folks know listening we're just kidding like we you know we're, we're having fun just like you guys are but i think going into next week like 
I, I'm not going to be super confident. I won't be con. Are you going to be confident enough? No, though I'm not. I will not be confident enough in these numbers to make Rex Burkhead an RB two. I'll call him a high end RB three, just because, dude. They, you know, it's just one week. They can pull the rug out from on you on this crap. Like, and, and the last thing you want to do is be holding holding on to the bag out here with you're the guy that said Rex Burkhead was RB eighteen for the week. Like, it's just we're gonna Dwayne, we're gonna rank Burkhead like RB twenty eight on Tuesday, and then by like Sunday he's gonna be like RB thirty seven. We're just gonna <laughs> we're just gonna keep losing faith in it the further we get away from this game. Yeah, you're right. I'm, I'm excited to get Good some call. more samples in it. But uh, Brandon Cooks did have a nice game despite catching that. I didn't exactly see if it was a full on shadow matchup, but I was. Was worried about Cooks catching a lot of stuff on Gilmore out there. Seven catches, 82 yards on an elite 12 targets. He was one of those guys over the 30% uh, targets per route run. Benefited from a 42-yard flea flicker, but hey, it was a cool play designed for the number one receiver. And honestly, if he had a better ball, could have been a much bigger touchdown. But on the Colts, Frank Reich doesn't want to overload Jonathan Taylor, doesn't want him to lead the league in carries, so he gives him 35 touches in week one against the Houston Texans. So got to love uh, when those storylines just really come to fruition. So, yeah, Jonathan Taylor still very much an absolute monster, and that was kind of the whole, like, I just got tired of the Taylor-McCaffrey debate. Like, you're going to be freaking thrilled with either of these guys on your team. I hate just putting either one down. So we know he's great. And, hey, Naeem Hines, six catches, 50 yards in this one. Good to see. I'm going to take the under on Matt Ryan throwing the ball 50 times times more weeks than not but at least you know for some of those best ball rosters might have gotten a usable week out of Heinz there the big story though Dwayne Matt Ryan good not great beyond the box score Ashton Doolin had a touchdown hit him in the hands and then fall Alec Pierce had a touchdown hit him in the hands and then fall so Matt Ryan could have had the better counting numbers but come on man you your organization was calling you Peyton Manning asking you just tied the Texans in week one like that's disappointing yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, it's just it's just the Michael Pittman show in the passing game here. Yeah, you know, ninety eight percent of the routes, twenty eight percent target share, thirty five percent of the team air yards. Um, Paris Campbell out there for eighty two percent of the routes, so he was next. Then Alex uh, Alec Pierce at sixty six percent, and the aforementioned Ashton Doolin at twenty seven percent. Got to get Michael Strachan some snaps, seven percent. I don't even know if I said his name right. Um, and and sorry guys. <clears throat> on the tight end stuff, like I mentioned earlier, sometimes utilization stuff can point us in the right direction. Some for preseason, sometimes it doesn't. We don't always know. We're doing the best we can reading the tea leaves, you know, between all these different data points that we have. Uh, Mo Ali Cox was only in a route 36 percent, Ian. 36 percent. Like you can just you can just cut Mo Ali Cox. You don't need to keep him on your fantasy team anymore. Colin Granson was out there for 54 percent, so you can move along. Naheem Hines. Uh, was involved. What's interesting is he's not handling all the two-minute offense or all the long down and distance work. It's really more of like what we talked about with the Lions. Um, both of these guys are handling, you know, both roles besides Naheem Hines, not really getting carries, 8%, 86% to Taylor. But if you look at the routes uh, per dropback, 61% to Jonathan Taylor. That's that's really good. Naheem Hines at 68%. Uh, long down and distance, 55 to 45. Two-minute offense, 47% to Taylor. 53% to Naheem Hines. So it's not a situation where Hines is just taking over certain game scripts. And that's good for Taylor because when that happens, if all of a sudden the Colts are trailing a lot, then that pulls Jonathan Taylor off the field and it's just all Naheem Hines. But if they're going to be in this kind of situation where both guys are handling those, that is really, really good for Jonathan Taylor drafters. That's gonna, That really insulates him and protects him from bad game scripts. So JT uh, looking really, really good after this week one utilization. This is a good data point for him. Every year we speak about the late round tight end class. And then 
Najoku pulls this. And then Brevin Jordan is playing behind OJ, not playing behind OJ Howard, but OJ Howard gets the two touchdowns. Farrell Cooper's, no, Farrell Brown. My God. Farrell Brown's yeah, also can, involved. You can cut Brevin Jordan too. 58% routes per drop yeah. back. Uh, the only guy we didn't mention a minute ago, keep Evan Ingram. He was almost at 80%. Keep oh. David Njoku, almost 80%. So those two guys are coming through. Uh, we didn't talk about it earlier. Well, we haven't hit the Giants yet, so we'll hit them in a minute. But yeah, on the Colts, you can cut Moali Cox. You can just move along. Brevin Jordan, you can also cut bait. Sad day. When I saw those Colin Granson numbers, I was just like, really? I know, man. They, they, that was they, out of nowhere, too. Like, yeah. yeah. They paid Moali Cox, too. I, I thought we were finally getting there late, but alas. I was Maybe. looking like, I was looking like that an injury happened. I couldn't find anything on it. So if something did happen, like, you know, someone can hit us on, on Twitter, I'll be, I can dig more into the injuries tomorrow. Like, I, I on some of these guys, when I first see it, I'll just do a quick search. But if I don't see something, I don't like go scouring the whole internet for it. Lane, but Molly Cox, like next year, man, gets a few things right. That's we could be we could be talking about something. <laughs> but, all right, we gotta pay a few bills before we get to the four o'clock games. PFF now has an app. Get access to industry-leading fantasy football advice. PFF's exclusive betting dashboards, the latest premium football analysis, all in the palm of your hand. The app is free to download and use until the 2022 season starts. Check out the PFF app. Truly a great day to be great. Shout out DraftKings. The NFL's opening week was action-packed, and it's just getting started. Get ready for week two of touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on any football game and get $200 in free bets instantly. Want more action? Everyone can experience the throw of DraftKings early win promotion. It's simple. This Sunday, bet on any NFL team to win, and if your team leads by 10 at any point during the game, you get paid instantly, even if your team loses. Download DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code PFF to get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code PFF only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See description for details. Man, that's a quicker way of doing it. Maybe read all those numbers all the time. Yeah, hell yeah, DraftKings. Good stuff. Our newest partner is revolutionizing the world of sports betting and fan engagement by making sports fandom profitable. That company is Symbol, the stock market for sports. Symbol was a PFS sponsor last year, and they are back for this football season. Symbol lets you trade pro and college teams like stocks and even earn cash dividend payouts when your teams win. Symbol took the thrill of sports betting and combined it with the profitability of the stock market to give you a platform where fortune favors a fan. Download the Symbol mobile app for iOS by searching S-I-M-B-U-L-L in the app store and use code EN to receive a free team stock value up to $150 upon signing up. The PFF team is even getting in the Symbol market themselves this season. Create a free account, enter code EN to get a free stock value up to $150 and compete against the PFF forecast podcast this season on Symbol. New York football giants took down the Titans 21 to 20, the Saquon Barkley game. Dwayne, we, we didn't have to wait. It's here. It, it's done. Saquon Barkley. He's back. Let's go, man. This, this is a big one for us. Let's go. Saquon. Yeah. Season. Either you have Saquon on your team and you're winning your league or you don't, and you're losing. Like just hang it up. <laughs> no, dude, but second round pick and you got 83% of the snaps and we've talked about this, right? We've talked about, he would probably challenge Najee Harris for the most snaps and potential for the most touches. The only question was if the explosiveness was going to return, and oh my God, was the explosiveness back? I'm telling you guys right now, Saquon Barkley might be the RB1 overall this season. Like, I know JT's the guy, and CMC's right there, but like Barkley is absolutely in the conversation with the top three. This guy catapulted Austin Eckler today. He catapulted everybody else. Like, he's over Derrick Henry. Like, if I were drafting a team right now today with what we saw, now that we've seen it, 
I would very easily draft Saquon Barkley in the top three picks of a fantasy football draft right now. So uh, 62% of the rushing attempts, 74% routes per drop back. Remember, 65% is great. 75% is freaking elite, man. 40% target share. 40%. Like, this guy's the whole offense. Long down distance, doesn't matter. He's out there. Two-minute offense, he did give some of those to Matt Breida. It was 60% for Barkley, 40% to Matt Breida. But look, guys, 83% snaps. You have to pick some kind of spot to let the guy rest a little bit, and that's as good a place as any to get a little dude like Breida on the field, let him do a little bit of magic, give Saquon a breather. Man, yards after contact, Ian. 6.83 explosive rush rate. These are carries of 10 plus yards or more. 22%. One in five carries today for Saquon went for 10 yards or more. Stuff, 0%. And something people have hounded Saquon about for years of being a guy that wouldn't just follow his gaps. Yeah. Always wanted to bounce things outside. Point of attack changing today, 0% of the time. Like he went where the run was supposed to go and he just pounded it. And if you guys saw the long run that I posted on Twitter, like you saw, like Saquon just saw, it was a really well blocked play, number one, but Saquon saw it. He just followed the blocks and then then he let his athleticism really come into play once he got into the open field, beat the angle on a linebacker. It might have been a safety. I can't remember. And I mean, he he nearly got to take that one the whole way. You did have a safety at the end that had a good, you know, had a good angle on him. But man, if you have Saquon Barkley, you have a top three running back in fantasy football for the rest of the season. That 68-yard run was his longest since December 29th, 2019. First 50-yard run since then. I absolutely love it. And he looked impressive as hell out there, just echoing everything you said. 119 rushing yards after contact. Weeks one through four. One through four last season. Even two good games. Only had 136 rushing yards after contact total. He was just a, he was unstoppable out there, Dwayne. The rest of the offense couldn't do anything. Lord knows Daniel Jones wasn't taking, you know, any of the pressure off of Saquon in this one. I, you know, Dwayne, it was weird. The Titans secondary wasn't worried about, you know, David Sills and Richie James Jr. out there, you know, running these routes because Kadarius Tony is sitting there on the freaking bench as great as Saquon was. What the hell was this, man? Wandale Robinson. Okay. If it would have been Wandale, Sterling Shepard, and Kenny Galladay, I wouldn't have liked it. I, but a part of me like understood that was a possibility for Tony. We knew someone was going to be the odd man out. I did not know that Richie James and David Sills, I barely even know who David Sills was before this, Dwayne. Like, I, I think I was like slightly aware. I, I'm, I'm not sure if I could have told you as a Giants receiver, I might have been like, was he a supporting actor or something like that? Like, wouldn't have been positive. But Kadarius Tony, man, 12% snaps. And the worst part was they gave him like a reverse and then they gave him a trick play to throw the ball. And he made probably like four dudes miss, like in his only two touches. He looked freaking fan. He looks healthy. Like, I don't yes. think it was an injury related thing. I don't either. We cannot start him until foreseeable. Don't cut him because my God, it's still Kadarius Tony. But yeah, <sighs> you can't cut him because if he gets on the field, you're going to hate yourself <laughs> for cutting him yeah. because he can still, he can, he could be a league winner. And you saw it again today. Just like you said, it was very limited. But when you saw him, you're like, what the hell? What is this guy doing? What is he doing that he, coaches do not like him? He, I have no clue what it is. You've been in locker rooms, Ian. You played in college. Like, I don't know what he's doing, but he is pissing people off. Look, like you mentioned, so he was out there for 12% of the snaps, 10% of the routes, and a, he's the second best player on this team, like on offense. He is the second best giant on the team, and he can't get out there because I, we don't know why, but you can't cut him because he, he's he's an electric player. Maybe he can work his way up the depth chart. And, uh, you know, what I saw from the rest of this receiving core, 
Um, like, man, it could be so easy for him just to, to be the dominant wide receiver one. If he can just stay healthy, get out of the doghouse. We did see a 30% target share today to Richie James Jr. Remember Richie James on the Monday night game? When the entire yeah. 49ers wide receiver room had COVID. Yeah. That was yes. unreal. Went that? bananas. Went bananas. 30% target share today for Richie James. Uh, so and, and James is a guy that has flash in the past. Like I have to give that to him. So um, but man, I, it's, it's it's tough to get behind it. Like fine, if you're in a really deep league, you want to put like an absolute men bid on a guy like Richie James Jr. I think it's fine. He has flashed enough in the past, but like Kenny Galladay. These guys were all rotating. 71% Rouse to Galladay, 65% to Shepard, 71% to Richie James Jr. David Sills, private investigator, 52%. <laughs> you know, Wandell, Wandell Robinson got hurt, right? So that's why he was at the 13%. I believe it was the first quarter when he got knocked out. But mostly I just want to stay away from all this receiving core. I'm just going to leave uh I'm going to leave Kadarius Tony stashed. David fucking Sills played over Kadarius Tony. Like that's that's I, I did not think that could be our new low uh in this point, but here we are. So wow. Oh Tennis- Bellinger, Bellinger, uh David, uh Daniel Bellinger, um also false alarm uh preseason. <laughs> Only out there 29% of the routes. Uh a, a, a Tanner Hudson had 52%, and then a and a, a Chris Myrick. Am I saying that right? Myrick. Good, good question. Uh, caught, caught a touchdown though. Three percent. Um, so a three-way rotation on the Giants tight ends as well. You can cut Daniel Bellinger if you were in a really deep league and you had stashed him. Quick, I have just from us talking about all these misses, I feel like the preseason tight end usage should be taken more so grain of salt in the future compared to other positions. Is that fair? Well, we've seen it in the past, like sometimes we've seen it work, right? And then there's other years where it doesn't. It's really a case by case basis. But you know, I mean, we're we're basically the problem this year was we had such a tier of blah where we're just like, we don't like any of these guys. And it's like, well, at least these guys, we think they may have. And and to be fair, we were clear about it. Like this, all we can do is go based on the information we have. Um, But yeah, no, I I think you got to watch it. Like it did work for some of the guys today and then others it didn't. So it is what it is. Another late round tight end that is dead in the water. Austin Hooper, 62% (laughs) snaps, number two on his own team behind Jeff Swaim. Hooper was the lead target guy, but this is another three tight end committee, just like the Titans have largely used uh, throughout Mike Vrabel's entire time there. Unfortunately, Dwayne, the wide receiver room is pretty freaking messed up as well. Robert Woods, Nick Westbrook, Akini, Kyle Phillips. Yes, Traylon Burks, but also got to get Cody Hollister involved, man. Got to get him some run out there on the field as well. There's Derrick Henry, there's Dontrell Hilliard catching two touchdowns as a nice handcuff to Derrick Henry, not someone that we can actually trust on a weekly basis. But at this point, other than Derrick Henry, man, I don't know who you can like start here and not completely hate yourself at this moment. And that goes for Robert Woods and Traylon Burks too. Just for now, I, I was never really that convinced that Robert Woods was going to come in here and just immediately be this 120-plus target guy. Or if he was, that he was going to be able to be overly efficient with it. And to see him in this one, man, just two targets in a game where Kyle freaking Phillips is getting targeted this much. No, no disrespect to Kyle Phillips. I'm just saying, like, come on, what are we doing here at Robert Woods at this point? Yeah, you just got to wait. Like, he's a guy we just basically told we told people to fade him, you know. So, I mean, it is what it is, but it is week one. He's he's a 30 year old player. He's coming off of a knee injury, which were part of the reasons we didn't like him on a run heavy offense. 
Um, so all those things kind of came to fruition, even though you actually got, uh, you know, today, you know, looking at Tannehill, he actually had 39 passing plays. Now that's including penalties. So 39 dropbacks, not too bad for Tennessee. Like this is a team that will be happy to just drop back and throw the ball 25 times. So you actually had a game script where it worked out at the end with the Giants coming back that they needed to throw the ball. And it still just wasn't enough for Robert Woods. 77% route participation, really for wide receivers, we want to see 85%. Then uh, Nick Westbrook, Akini, uh, 64%. Kyle Phillips, 64%. He did come through, to, to your point, with a 30% target share. But remember, folks, like he's mostly playing a lot out of the slot. Don't get crazy with Kyle Phillips. Like he's not really out there in the base personnel stuff. He's not probably going to, probably not going to happen. Um, and on an offense where when they're leading, it's going to be really hard to get anything out of Kyle Phillips. Remember, we've been, we've seen this for a long time with this thing, with this team, Adam Humphreys. Remember he can never really get going from the slot, you know, for this team. So uh, before that it was a uh, got Taiwan Taylor or somebody like that, that we hoped could get going. And they just, they haven't done it, even though their coordinators have changed. They've kind of stuck with a similar scheme and they just don't use a lot of 11 personnel. Um, Traylon Burks, 36% route participation is terrible. Uh, the bright spot for Traylon, 38% targets per route run. So when he was out there, he was actually getting targeted. Also led the team, despite that low uh, route participation, led the team in air yards with 33%, had a 17% target share. So he's kind of in the same boat as Kadarius Tony, right? Um, he's flashing. He's showing a little bit but not on the field enough in the doghouse still to some extent with the coaching staff. So you're going to have to wait. Yeah. He got loose deep and the whole crowd yeah. and like Vrabel were furious at the no call. And I, I was too Dwayne in my living room. I, I had the dogs barking too. We, we weren't too big a fans of that either, but Minnesota Vikings, 23 green Bay Packers seven. Oh my gosh. The biggest sheesh of the day, Aaron Rodgers, first play of the season, a, a tumultuous off season. Some might say for, Aaron Rodgers, Dwayne. Maybe, maybe they could even pronounce the word correctly. But with Aaron Rodgers, first snap of the year, Christian Watson, the guy they take first in the second round. But you know, the first wide receiver they take to really replace Devontae Adams gets wide open deep. Rodgers throws one of the most catchable deep balls I've ever seen. I mean, this thing to take a quote out of uh, PFF PR specialist Dave Safaro. This was a pearl, Dwayne. This was a pearl thrown from Aaron Rodgers to Christian Watson, and the man dropped it. And that really just set the kind of mood for the rest of the game. Packers managed to find the end zone once with A.J. Dillon around the goal line. But no no, no single player had even 50 receiving yards. Rodgers had a bad pick there to Harrison Smith, just trying to you know throw a jump ball up to Randall Cobb. Took four sacks. Obviously, they were playing without their offensive tackles. It was a game where I don't think I was expecting the best performance out of the Packers in the world. And we knew that this was going to be a lesser version of the offense. But man, seven points. This could be not the new reality in Green Bay. You only have to go back last year to find like a far worse performance from them before they were able to obviously snap out of things rather quickly. But at a minimum, man, these pass catchers don't look overly ready. And in this backfield, man. As someone that has Aaron Jones on quite a few squads, what are we doing with him and Dylan? Because now it's just like, why are should these guys even be ranked far apart? Dare I say, Dwayne, is the utilization scary enough to say AJ Dylan is the new RB1 in Green Bay? I know he's not, but like this is your cue. <laughs> well, uh, 61% of the snaps to Aaron Jones, 51% to AJ Dylan. Obviously, if you add those two numbers together, they equal more than 100%. So they did get them on the field together for about 10% of the plays uh, today. 65% route participation for Aaron Jones, 37% for A.J. Dillon. Uh, rushing attempts, though, 56% to A.J. Dillon, 28% to Aaron Jones. So essentially what we have here is really kind of like a back-in-the-day Mark Ingram-Alvin Kamara situation, if you guys remember back, like in those years where 
Camaro would only get about 30% of the rushing attempts, but he was getting that elite route participation that we saw today from Aaron Jones, which Aaron Jones has not been able to get. He's been stuck at that 50 to 55%. So I think in the end, Ian, it kind of all evens out, right? Um, Jones is giving up some carries to AJ Dillon, but he's picking up, uh, you know, more of the receiving work. 83% of the two minute offense went today to Aaron Jones. They were not afraid to put AJ Dillon out there in the long down and distance situations. Dillon actually, you know, uh, out targeted him 18% versus 15%, but it wasn't necessarily just because of, you know, the down and distance and things that were working out. It was just Dylan happened to be the guy they threw they threw to, uh, even though it might not have necessarily been a down where you expect the running back to normally get you know a a reception. So I think they are closer than than what we thought. But I would still, if I had to, I would still rank Aaron Jones a little bit ahead. And as well in a PPR, I'm keeping Aaron Jones ahead. Half point PPR, they're getting really close. Aaron Jones by a hair. If you're in a standard league, AJ Dylan is ahead of Aaron Jones at this point moving forward for the rest of the season. I look at them, you know. Aaron Jones right now, I think in PPR in like mid RB2 is probably what I would say. Yeah. Again, we got to kind of give him some of his track record um, and know that he can move up or down from there in the next week. A.J. Dillon, obviously, over in a standard league is where you're getting the most excited about him. And I think that's where he's probably a low end to mid range RB2 and standard. If I'm in a PPR, I'm still considering A.J. Dillon as more my high end RB3, maybe low end. RB2, he's going to have to come through with a touchdown, you know, most likely in that situation, because I don't think he's necessarily going to get this kind of target share every week with the role that he has. Again, just uneven game from the Packers, having the four sacks Rodgers took, the big miss to start the game. The Vikings were up 17-0 at halftime. I mean, Jones had five carries for 49 yards. Like, he had a sick 29-yard run where he was juke. Like, he looked healthy out there and everything. I wouldn't even say Dylan necessarily looked better throughout the entire game so certainly think jones is going to have more than eight touches in future weeks but definitely not maybe getting i don't know we're never going to get yeah. that damn kamara role for jones Dwayne. that just pains me well this is the closest we've seen to it you know but it's the old school kamara role right when kamara wouldn't wouldn't get 30 percent of the rushing attempts like that's really what we saw today is actually that not the kamara role that we saw two years ago where he got like you know more more even than that. But real quick on the receivers and stuff, just none of them even got the 70% route participation. It was a complete rotation. I think the Packers are basically looking for who's going to step up. Who's going to step up and be someone that maybe they can trust in the starting lineup. Uh, if we had to pick a leader today, it was Christian Watson. He led all of those guys at 67%. Same thing in the tight end room as well. Only 44% route participation today for Robert Tanyan. You had Josiah DeGuerra out there. You had Tyler Davis out there. You got Mercedes Lewis out there. Like It's a complete rotation across all these players. We also did see backups late in the game. right? You had 12% of the snaps went to Jordan Love when they just got Aaron Rodgers off the field. So that's also impacting some of these other utilizations numbers obviously alan lazard Dwayne's favorite was out with the ankle injury and we'll, we could see the tunyon uh numbers go up similar to logan thomas you know once he's not in his first game coming off the injury with that said as we've talked about through a lot of the summer issues with you know the denver and chicago offenses coming from the matt lafleur coaching tree they have been willing to rotate robert tunyon plenty even last season before his injury he was much more of a 50 60 percent snap guy than you would love him i know routes over snaps for sure i should just get like vaulted whenever i do that you know on this pod but either way you know if you're 60 snaps it's going to be hard to be too much out there and targets as well on the viking side holy hell justin jefferson you know cooper cup comes out on thursday night does his usual 100 plus 10 catches and a touchdown it's like oh, i wonder if jj is gonna have a tough time topping that he did not if anything like it 
he got 184 yards and two touchdowns on nine catches. Dwayne, I feel like he could have doubled that if they threw him the ball. Like he had most of that at halftime. He had almost all of that at halftime. He had 100. He had over 150 at half. It was so dominant. And the fact that I will say this as someone that's mocked the idea of the Cooper Cup role, I've done that because I, it's out of respect for Justin Jefferson. He can line up one on one and dominate just fine. But, Dwayne, we did see instances of freaking Preston Smith being lined up on Justin Jefferson in zone. I get it. They're not going man to man with the pass rusher, but that's the sort of stuff. And I'm sure you're going to, if you haven't already uh, done it, I'll be very curious to see what Jefferson's, uh, you know, numbers with a cornerback in primary coverage were this year you know in week one compared to last year because if there is anything about the cooper cup role like that's it sean mcveigh's ability to get cooper cup continuously matched up on freaking safeties and linebackers have you done any research on that because that's my initial thinking from watching the game the touchdown like the first touchdown they did it easily just motioned him across no one guarded him two of the big crosses there was no one around him it just seemed like as amazing as justin jefferson is and we know it and like my god he was awesome out there this was easy, Dwayne. And that's how it felt with Cooper Cup a lot of times last year. It was like, how can, by far, one of the best players, if not the best player on the field, be this damn wide open time after time? That's what we saw today. And obviously, all you Justin Jeffersoners that picked him in the top three are feeling pretty good about it. Yeah, I don't I don't have the primary coverage against those defenders yet, but 36% in the slot. Um, so it wasn't like all of a sudden we saw him all the time in the slot. But to your point, it's really not necessarily about playing from the slot. It's about creating the matchups in the way that you set up your alignments, your motions, all these different things, these different, and then the combination of routes that you put together based on what coverage that you're facing. Like there's a lot that goes into this. Like coaches are actually really, usually folks like really freaking smart. I know a lot of times everybody sitting on their couch, including us thinks we know all these things. There's so much going into setting these plays up, um, you know, and getting the right looks that you want and these right combinations. Um, and so, yeah, we'll see what Kevin O'Connell can do, but yeah, I mean, I, there's nothing else I really need to say about freaking Justin Jefferson other than he's awesome out there for hundred percent of the routes, Adam Thielen out there for hundred percent of the routes, right? Only got a 12% target share because when you got Justin Jefferson getting a 38%, well, there's just not a lot left, yeah. uh, 12% to KJ Osborne. He was out there 85%, which tells you guys a lot of 11 personnel, which was something that we really expected, um, from the offense. Earth Smith ease back into things coming off the thumb. It's I, I get annoyed, Dwayne, a little bit when they ease guys back in like this, and like they, he wasn't even listed as questionable at the end of the day. Right. Like he was taken off it, so it is what it is. I'm very happy that our official stance was Gerald Everett over Herb Smith, you know, as the tight end streamer. But I fully understand, you know, if you guys are also out there with Herb, so we'll definitely, you know, continue 24%, to yeah, wrap yeah, just. Any injury, man, thumb, ACL, just the first game off it. If it's at all possible for you to get another option, just a good rule of thumb to probably look elsewhere. So no, like we're not giving, I would expect Irv Smith, like his numbers next week to look far better. But yeah, let's try to find another option just for the near term. If you have to cut him, it's 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 probably okay at this point. I think there's enough guys probably in similar situations where you're not going to be completely killing yourself at the end of the day over it. Dalvin Cook continuing to do Dalvin Cook things and just get featured. I know Madison's snaps were up a little bit, but that was more so just game script. They still found a way to get not not really, <laughs> really almost almost eighty percent snaps for Dalvin. Well, no, I'm Dalvin. saying like I'm saying like Madison getting eight carries was like just at the end of. Vikings being up by how much? Oh, yeah. But I mean, if I look at the end of the day, it, I mean, like uh, Madison was only 23% of the snaps. Like, so, so, so we're both not worried about Madison. No. <laughs> okay. Cool. No, we're not mad. We're not like 70. <laughs> this is like elite RB1 from Dalvin yeah. Cook. Like, th- this is better than any any utilization line we saw from Dalvin Cook all last year. 
77% snaps, 79% routes per drop back. That's freaking fantastic, man. 68% of the rushing. I felt like the dude there. It's fantastic, man. 68% of the rushing attempts, 60% of the short down and distance, 80% of the long down and distance, 89% of the two minute offense. Like, dude did not give up anything. Dalvin Cook is going to have an absolute smash week at some point in the near future. In fact, like, I would rank him as RB4 right now going forward. I would have JT1, Saquon 2, CMC 3, and then I would have Dalvin Cook number four right now. I love the sick one over CMC. That's just an easy way how to get pitchforks in your mentions from the very same people that were probably cursing you for having like CMC. Yeah. How can you have, yeah. How can you have CMC? Week. Yeah. It just, it, it's, it's a, it's a cycle. Dwayne. Oh, get Saquon folks. Don't think you don't, you can't overpay. Like you can't, you want to catch the person. That, if you can find the person in your league that thinks, Oh man, like Saquon had this big week and you give them this offer that they're like, yeah, I'm fleecing this person. Like I'm just, you know, have Saquon. If you're in the league where Saquon went in the third round, right? That's where it's going to happen. This is not going to work. If you're in the league where the dude took Saquon at pick nine, like he's not doing that. He made a stand on Saquon. He was right. You were wrong. And now he's going to try to dominate you. But the dude that got, Saquon or the gal that got Saquon in round three and they're sitting there and they there's a reason they let them fall to round three and they think oh well yeah I'm gonna sell this person before they get hurt again like yeah see if absolutely go get Saquon Barkley even if he had a big week go find that guy or girl and make it happen final stuff in this one that person there we go I think that's the right that's the right term final nap final note just how good was Justin Jefferson over the last two seasons every single wide receiver that has run at least 30 routes in a game the most efficient performance in yards per route run was Jamar Chase in that bonkers game against the Chiefs last year 6.05 yards per route run and number two Justin Jefferson the LSU teammate this week one against the Packers 5.58 yards per route run that's uh that's pretty good Dwayne that's pretty good when you can have Justin Jefferson out there averaging the same amount of yards per route as Jonathan Taylor was doing last year when you're actually handing him the football Chiefs took down the Cardinals quite easily 44 to 21 Patrick Mahomes with the y'all must have forgot game five touchdowns 30 for 39 360 yards it's it was basically like Tyreek who out there and I, I know I know exactly who Tyreek is so just a matter of how good freaking Mahomes is Eight catches, 121 yards for a touchdown for Travis Kelsey. Juju Smith-Schuster had six catches for 79 yards. Clyde Ebersolaire caught two layup touchdowns. Meekle caught a touchdown. Almost had a freaking house call, too. Like, the one mistake Mahomes made was missing Meekle on a deep ball. That could have been good from about 70 out. And, hell, even Jody Fortson had a touchdown. So, Dwayne, looking beyond the numbers a little bit, these wide receivers, we haven't known exactly what was going to happen other than MVS and Juju being the top two. And we saw that come to fruition once again. Unfortunately, Sky Moore is a distant fifth on the depth chart right now. With that said, Justin Watson did suffer a chest injury. So, hopefully, he's a little bit more in the rotation moving forward. And, hopefully, Justin Watson is okay, of course. Yeah, and we even had at the end of the game, right? Chad Henney was in. Mahomes was out. So, some of these numbers are going to be a little bit impacted by that. So, MVS, we expected to be on the field, 80%. He probably would have been more like around 85%. Uh, Juju, 80%. Also, probably would have been more around 85%. Those are the two main guys. Then, Mecole was rotating in, 61%. 20% to Justin Watson. You mentioned that he got hurt. And 16% to Sky Moore. So, right now, it's kind of like what we thought. Ian, we thought that it would probably be MVS and Juju out of the gate. And there would be a rotation that probably is just this evolving battle, right, between Hardman, Watson, and Sky Moore for that third spot. Uh, kind of a similar thing happening, you know, at the tight end spot. 
um, didn't end up mattering, right? Because we talked about this in the preseason. We're like, oh, who cares if Travis Kelsey gets 75% routes? Like, yep, nine targets, eight receptions, 121 yards and a touchdown. Doesn't really matter. But he was out there 75% of the routes. But he might have been closer to an 80 as well um, if we didn't have the injury. And remember, 80% is what we want to be at. Um, but Nathan Yonke did call out. Uh, that this was a tough preseason for uh, Kelsey as far as his, you know, route participation was. And and Nathan actually went back and showed like every year, like basically how uh, Kelsey's preseason uh, route participation has correlated to his end season. Um, so I don't know. We'll see what happens with that. But right now it looks right. 75% is where he was at today. But again, it didn't really matter. That 91 or that 90.1 PFF receiving grade uh, for Kelsey uh, who just looks dominant, man. Just he's just he's just too good. Twenty three percent target share, thirty one percent of the air yards. He led the team three point nine zero yards per route run. Good week one for Travis Kelsey. I was using the uh, Padme like Anakin meme to show Clyde edwards Zolaire's d- day because you know you look at Clyde and you say, "Hey, guy caught two touchdowns. He he started." And Padme's like, "Oh, he must have led the backfield on carries and targets, right? He must have led the backfield on carries and targets, right? No, he didn't. Everyone." Jarek McKinnon, 39% snaps. Clyde Ebersolaire, 36%. Pacheco, 24%. When we can't get a single guy over 40%, I know, I know, game script. But man, what? He was going to be at 50%, like 55%. Best case. This is a three-back committee. Ronald Jones was not active, but Isaiah Pacheco, even before getting some of the you know late-game carries and stuff, he was involved occasionally. Jarek McKinnon's still involved especially more so than Clyde as a pure route runner. That's problematic. This isn't good, Dwayne. Honestly, it reminds mm-hmm. me of early season last year with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, where he was actually scoring touchdowns, and basically he was people were disappointed in his performance, even though he was kind of outperforming what we expected from it. Like Again, it's one of these things where Clyde, he had three catches like in the second quarter, man. It's still not something that's like a full part of their offense. If there is a sell high, like I'm not sure if people are going to buy it because I think we're getting smarter as a community right now, but this is a fraudulent two-touchdown game right here. Sell high. Absolutely sell high right now on Clyde Edwards-Alaire. And even looking at the first half, like it was still a big rotation. Yes, at the end, did Pacheco get more work as the closer? But guess what, folks? That's probably his role. If if Clyde Edwards-Alaire can't be the closer at an end of the game, guess what closers do? They score fantasy points. Um, Guess what? Like, Two-minute offense, not Clyde's. Long down and distance work, not Clyde's. That works all going to Jarrett McKinnon. So it's exactly where we thought it was going to be. The, the the passing down work is to Jarrett McKinnon. We got Clyde Edwards-Alaire really as the early down grinder. And now you got Isaiah Pacheco. Is Anytime the Chiefs are in a blowout, when maybe you could scoop some more points from Clyde Edwards-Alaire, he's not going to get them. Isaiah Pacheco is going to take them. And guess what? If Isaiah Pacheco gets hurt, there's Ronald Jones. Ronald Jones is going to be part of it. So if you can move Clyde Edwards-Alaire, if you watch the game, those were basically blown coverages on both plays. Well, one was a shovel pass. It was a good play design to Clyde Evers or Larry walks into the end zone. That's fine. You're part of a good offense. Play with uh, Patrick Mahomes. Got to worry about these other weapons like Travis Kelsey. That, that's a benefit, right? And so that's a good thing. But the other passing touchdown, like was he was just sitting there wide open again. So I, I'm not buying it. I would absolutely sell Clyde Evers Alaire right now. I, it's, it's just too big of a committee. And we've this is his third year. We've seen this. We've seen this. We've seen this. The Chiefs have told us Clyde Evers Alaire is not going to be in every down back. It ain't happening. If he had been running like, you know, a Texas route or something, that'd be one thing, Dwayne. But we're just getting those layups. So that's a little bit tougher to feel <laughs> good about. 
Arizona Cardinals now 21 points. Kyler Murray, you know, worked his worked his way back there in garbage time to get to the 20 point fantasy mark. And we thank you for that, Kyler. But offense looked out of sync. And why wouldn't they, man, just with all the injuries going on? Rondale Moore being out. No DeAndre Hopkins. Greg freaking Dorch is out there running freaking around and over 90% of the dropbacks for crying out loud. So did get a nice little saving touchdown from Marquise Brown, but just four catches, 43 yards, and a score. I mean, I, I know C.D. Lamb managers would be killing for the numbers like that, but a little bit of a disappointment for Brown in this one, only seeing the six targets. It reminds me of last season early on when even before Hopkins got hurt, people weren't exactly thrilled about firing him up every single week because we were seeing Kyler just really like from his top receiver to his sixth receiver. There wasn't that as big of a disparity as we saw, you know, in 2020 and just in different offenses around the league. So Dwayne overall thoughts on Marquise Brown and are you buying the Greg Dorch hype? Because Lord knows Cliff isn't going to put Andy Isabella out there. So if Rondale is going to miss more time, maybe this Greg Dorch guy has another, you know, week in him. I will probably not be because it sure seems like when Ertz is back, when Rondale's back, Dorch should probably be the four guy at best more weeks than not here. Yeah, he's going to lose his role. I mean, you can men bid him if you're in a really, like you're in a 14 teamer that starts three flex players uh, like Ian. We're in some of those. Uh, Greg, Greg Dorch sounds really freaking good, yep. <laughs> you know, on a team like that. Uh, but otherwise, no, you're not if, in most leagues that, you know, for folks that are probably listening to this, you're not going to really mess with Greg Dortch. As soon as you as soon as you get him on your roster and think you're going to use him like Rondell Moore is going to come back. I, this is a positive to me, you know, for Rondell Moore, you know, seeing a guy like Dortch get used this way. Also, just not going to sweat it with Marquise Brown. Like, look, these things happen. I mean, if there was one player that the Chiefs had to try to take away today, who would it have been? It was Marquise Brown. Um, I had Marquise Brown in my top 12 for the week, obviously, with no Hopkins, uh, no Rondell Moore, an iffy Zach Ertz. Like, there was a chance for this real funnel and target share. But defenses, you know, they know that too, and they try to take these things away, and sometimes they're successful doing that. I mean, there's defenses that will do that to Justin Jefferson at some point this year. There's defenses that will do that, you know, to, uh, you know, Devontae Adams at some point this year. We just saw it. So it just, the chip landed on Marquise Brown today. I still felt, I still feel fine about him. Led the team in air yards, 42%. So Marquise Brown, still a guy, especially over these next few weeks, you know, before we have DeAndre Hopkins back, I think you're going to get more good than bad with him. Yeah, the top three names that pop in the unrealized areas leaderboard were Brandon Cooks, Kyle Pitts, and Hollywood Brown. So big game should be ahead. Shout out James Conner. Another touchdown. Now 20 touchdowns in 17 games with the Cardinals. And, you know, Benjamin was out there a little bit more than we saw for stretches last year. But, man, to see James Conner get 71% snaps in a game where, you know, the Cardinals were getting freaking blown out of the water going to the fourth quarter. I think once again, Dwayne, the Chase Edmonds role. A lot of that seems to be going James Conner, at least in the overall touches. Did you see the same stuff in terms of the back-end utilization? Yep. Uh, 72% of the snaps to James Conner, 67% of the routes. Again, 65% is great. 53% of the rushing attempts. And that's really where Eno Benjamin was being used late in the game. You know, they were just, they were doing the little dump downs and they were, you know, you know, letting him run the ball uh, against, you know, some of these, you know, boxes that didn't want them to, you know, pass. And so short down and distance, 100% to James Connors and long down and distance, 75% still to James Connor. They did not, for whatever reason, use the two minute offense, which is kind of weird, Cliff, to be honest, kind of weird. Like in a game where you're losing by that much, they never really went into a high tempo offense. Um, so yeah, not that worried about Eno, but he did get 34% of the snaps. You know, he should probably be on rosters in most leagues. I think he clearly is the two. Daryl Williams doesn't need to be on any of these rosters. So 34% snaps. 
snaps, 26% route participation, 21% of the rushing plays to Mr. Eno Benjamin. Uh, last Zach Ertz, you know, he was kind of battling, got out there for 63% of the routes. Um, some of that's probably due to the injury, though, man. I would expect him to be more like around 75, 80% once healthy. Yeah, and there, there was a pregame report saying that he could be like on a snap count of sorts. So no surprise there. Final note before we get to Chargers Raiders here, just wild stat I found. All-time NFL leaders in career games with at least 300 passing yards and five passing touchdowns. Breeze all-time with nine, Brady with eight, Manning with seven, Marino with six, and already Patrick Mahomes with five. If this dude does this for 10, 10 more years, man, like the record books are just going to look absolutely asinine. I don't know. Maybe, maybe he's not going to catch Brady's ring count, but just in terms of pure counting numbers, uh, we're going to be in uncharted territories once, you know, we get just this modern football, like actually progressed over the course of an entire career. But NF AFC West matchup. That's, you know, the things I start saying when we're two hours deep here. Chargers 24, Raiders 19. I mentioned before, but yeah, Justin Herbert, great game for him. 279 yards, three touchdowns, but yes, not a single Chargers receiver had more than four targets in this one. Keenan Allen probably would have gotten there. Unfortunately, suffered a hamstring injury and already said there's a small chance he plays next week infamously last year told everyone to play him and then proceeded to re-aggravate his injury and not really help out when we were all hoping him to do so but keenan hope you get better man was disappointed to see you know joshua palmer and mike williams not really do a whole lot in keenan's absence it was actually deandre carter who scored a touchdown on an absolute seed from herbert down the middle also got jailed everett having a grown man touchdown man just catching that back shoulder fade and pretty much just pushing his defender an extra three or four yards into the end zone so Dwayne from a pure route standpoint we did see DeAndre Carter you know step in into three wide receiver sets but it did still seem to be pretty clearly Mike Williams and Joshua Palmer as the top two atop Herbert's pecking order yeah and we saw Jalen Guyton working a little bit you know too not a lot but yeah it's it's Mike Williams and 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 Palmer 91% route participation for Mike Williams so I, look I know he didn't come through and he had a horrible day uh, his overall PFF grade was a 45.7. Uh, his receiving PFF grade was a 47.6. Um, so just a rough day for Mike Williams overall, only a 13% target share. Um, that's four targets. He had two receptions for 10 yards. So definitely uh, for some of the folks that were spending, you know, Mike, he got up, you know, to third round pick, you know, towards the end of uh, draft season. Um, so that definitely what wasn't what you were looking for, but he's out there. Like he's out there. Um, so we'll see what happens in the coming weeks with him. Josh Palmer, that that kind of worried me. 71% is all you can get to when Keenan Allen leaves the game. Like, this is a guy that, like, people were drafting in round 10 and 11 of drafts at the end. Like, this was going to be the dude. And maybe he still will. Like, you know, you and I talked about him. Like, last year he filled in for both Mike Williams and Keenan Allen, and we always talked about what's the upside with, with Josh Palmer, probably the third or fourth option in the offense. But if one of those two guys go down, he's truly a, can be a cuff to either one, then that's nice. And an offense that has Justin Herbert, that's going to have to be in a lot of shootouts. It just didn't work out today, but I think we just got to be patient, right? I mean, overall, like you're probably going to be looking at Josh Palmer being a wide receiver for next week in our ranks um, with Keenan Allen, most likely out. So we'll see what that looks like. Um, would have liked to have seen just a little bit more. Would would hope he would have been like, because I like honestly, like a 71% route participation. I thought he would have been at that, like with Keenan Allen and Mike Williams playing a full game. Like, so I would have thought he would have been at like 85%. So and, a it's also, worrisome. and it's also like I agree with you, wide receiver four, probably. And okay, Keenan got hurt, and we're only saying wide receiver four. Like Higgins got hurt, and with Boyd, we're saying much more than that. So it's it's not ideal. 
Yeah, and he could still surprise us. Like, there's things we liked about Josh Palmer, you know, um, but people did get kind of carried away. His overall talent profile said, eh, it, it wasn't like, you know, we you know were doing cartwheels around Josh Palmer and, and any of the breakout metrics that he was hitting. Basically, he was a young player that gets to play with Justin Herbert, and we knew that, you know, Keenan Allen was getting older. That was kind of the storyline around Josh Palmer. So we'll get to see. We're going to get to see for sure now. Let's see what happens next week. And we also scream into an abyss for like seven months every offseason. We end up talking ourselves into these sorts of guys each and every year. But, Dwayne, there, were other, there was one other big note with the Chargers. And it was Austin Eckler not quite having Austin Eckler usage. 51% snap rate in this one, 14 carries. We knew that Kelly and that Sony Michelle were going to seed off some some usage, but certainly didn't really make up for it in the past game. Are you worried here, or do you think it's just kind of a one-week uh, blip on the radar? I mean, we don't want to overreact, but it's not good. Like, I mean, he was only out there for 40% of the routes. That's bad. Like, yeah, we need Austin Eckler out there. We need Austin Eckler out there. sixty For what the price tag that was paid on Austin Eckler in fantasy drafts, you need him out there 60 to 65% of the routes. So this is very problematic. Uh, he did keep the short down and distance work. Remember last year, that's what he took over and allowed him to score all the touchdowns. So that's a positive. He had 86% of those snaps today, 14% went to Sony Michelle. So, I mean, if we're looking for like the silver lining today with Austin Eckler, it, it's not like he lost the short down and distance work, but we definitely want to see him more involved in the receiving game. Like the 47% of the rushing attempts, we can live with that as long as he's out there for 60% of the routes. Um, so we'll see what happens. Targets per route run were still good, 21%. You know, he ended up with a 9% target share on the on the day. So don't panic. Still a good offense. Still a really great quarterback, um, but not good. Not good to see Joshua Kelly and Sony Michelle mix in as much as they did. Sure would be a lot cooler if it was higher. <coughs> Excuse me. All right, Justin. Oh, my gosh. No, we're good. Yeah, so – Let's talk a little bit about the Raiders while Ian clears his throat over here. Uh, so I'll, I'll jump in, Ian. I don't know where you were going for sure. I've, I've lost the show sheet at this point. But we'll talk about the halfbacks for a second. Look, everybody loved to hate Josh Jacobs. Played 60% of the snaps today, 77% of the rushing attempts, but did not have any of the short down and distance work. <laughs> that went to Brandon Bolden. Didn't have any of the long down and distance work. That also went to Brandon Bolden at 67%. Amir Abdullah, strangely, just barely involved here. This was all about Brandon Bolden. Amir Abdullah is another guy I quickly searched just to see if I saw anything about an injury. I didn't. Now, again, I'll, I'll look deeper tomorrow. But uh, Amir Abdullah right now, as we sit here, like he was a guy that we thought might give you PPR value as a pass catcher. Um, not so sure. Might be a guy that we can just go ahead and release. And then Josh Jacobs, like not going to have – doesn't look like he's going to have any of the sub package work. I don't even know how you get to 60% of the snaps and you don't get to play any of the short down and distance or long down and distance work. I don't even know how that works. That's making me wonder, like, you know, but I was looking at the data. It's all right. Everything that I pulled it, it, it should in happen by like accident at some, by like accident. Yeah. Yeah. It's gotta, it's gotta be just this random thing, but it's really hard to get to 60% when you don't get any of that other work, especially in a game, like where the Raiders were trailing. You know, I mean, the Raiders trail, pro I, I don't have the data in front of me, but probably most of the game. So, by the way, apologies there. 1.45 a.m. here at Eastern. I think my body's finally saying F you, Ian, and we're not sure what's going on. What I was trying to finish with was that Justin Herbert now has thrown for at least 300 yards and or accounted for three touchdowns and 26 of 33 career starts. This dude was freaking put on this plan to keep scoring fantasy points. But yes, not. Pretty good usage, I think, overall for Jacobs, but I still think we're looking at New England Southwest. I mean, nothing about this kind of changed that. And honestly, I thought Ty Montgomery and Brandon Bolden scoring touchdowns within like five minutes of each other was pretty fitting uh, in this one. So, 
And no Zamir White did not see the field. Yeah. Special teams only for Zamir. So Devontae Adams did Devontae Adams things. I mean, top five wide receiver, especially, which we'll get to in a second with uh, a certain someone's injury. I think uh, the CeeDee Lamb case ahead of Devontae is going to age awfully bad. And I think it already has aged awfully bad, but you know what? We'll watch the film and get better. Devontae still very much looking very much elite. And Darren Waller still looking good, too. Should have had a touchdown if Derek Carr put the ball in a better spot. Hunter Renfro just kind of had a situation similar to Devontae Smith in Philly, just was the odd man out this week. I'm sure he'll have some better weeks, but certainly doesn't have the same ceiling here anymore with Devontae in town. So, Dwayne, anything else on this one? No, man. Devontae said, I don't care that I'm playing with Darren Waller and and Hunter Renfro. 44% target share today. Wow. 52% of the air yards. And what's funny is, like, Waller and Renfro weren't bad. Waller was at 18% target share, uh, and then you had Renfro at 21%. So it's a very condensed offense. So don't like freak yourself out, even about Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller. They're still going to be okay. It's going, everything's going to these three dudes. Like the the next highest target share on the team, Brandon Bolden at 6%. And then you got a bunch of three percenters. You got Josh Jacobs at 3%, Amir Abdullah at 3%, Mac Hollins at 3%. This offense is funneled through three players. So when that happens, there's going to be an opportunity still. Like, I mean, look, Devontae Adams had a 44% target share today, and the other two guys were basically at 20%. Like that tells you how concentrated it is. Was not the best game from Derek Carr, but we know he'll probably put some better ones forward. Was not the easiest matchup in the world against this reloaded Chargers defense, man. Having to deal with Bosa and Mac every day. Couldn't be me. Sucks for those quarterbacks, but they're making so many millions. I guess that's okay. Final one. You sure, you sure, Dwayne? You sure you want to do this, man? Do we? Yeah, let's do it. I don't have all the data on this one. I'm just going to go with what I have, though, because I'm exhausted like you. <laughs> just uh, whatever just... this was when I pulled it at the end uh, is probably like maybe through the third quarter. <laughs> Let's just go from the heart here. The Buccaneers, <laughs> 19 to three. Oh, man. It's, I, I was telling Dwayne when we got on here, like, I don't think the Cowboys offense made a single play this game. Like, yeah, Dalton Schultz had some layups. CD had what two catches like Zeke actually had a couple okay runs but I don't think there was ever a play where you're just like wow what an effort from that offensive player there wearing that star on their helmet I don't think that happened once the entire game we knew it was gonna be problematic with Tyron Smith out but dude like Zeke averaged more yards per carry than Dak averaged yards per attempt like Jason Garrett's stupid ass quote he said about like them needing to feed the ball to Zeke. Like this Cowboys offense was so bad. They actually made Jason Garrett, like look relatively smart uh, to what he said. And, uh, and I know Garrett's a Princeton guy. I freaking heard that a million times, but you guys know what I'm talking about. This was atrocious. And now, yeah, Dak Prescott with the hand surgery is going to miss six to eight weeks, putting Cooper rush under center. This is a absolute worst case, Dwayne. I can't think of a worst case scenario to happen uh, to both the Dallas Cowboys fantasy assets and the Dallas Cowboys uh, fans organization as a whole. I mean, hey, here, here's the question, man. We talked about this with DK Metcalf all offseason. When it goes from Russell Wilson to Geno Smith, DK Metcalf went from a top 10 wide receiver to a borderline wide receiver too. With Cooper Rush under center, is C.D. Lamb all of a sudden like 20 wide receiver 21 or something? Because he, he, he very well might be. Obviously 11 targets in this one, only caught two of them. Didn't it look like an offense that had only one wide receiver who the defense had to care about on any given play? Because that's what this offense is, and they've known that, and they still entered the season 
with that idea and uh it's just sad Dwayne. so well wherever you want to go with this there's a lot of oh it's bad man depressing it's it's bad um yeah i mean look cd's gonna continue to be the main guy but to your point uh without dak um just like what you're dealing with you know with uh, seattle it's a definite hit you know to cd lamb so we'll have to see with cooper rush can he remember the quarterback just has to be not terrible to, to help support, especially when you could have a funnel offense like this. So it just really depends on Cooper Rush, like, and where he ends up. You know, we've seen him in spots be okay. Tom against the Vikings last year actually step up and have like that 300 yard game, made a couple of real money throws. Uh, one of them was actually to CD Lamb, I believe. It might have been Cedric Wilson uh, from the slot. You know, there was a big, a big play for a touchdown. So we'll, we'll have to see. But yeah is definitely not good and honestly like Dak looked terrible like before all this like Dak was just missing just missing wide open throws like I don't know what was going on with him if, if maybe the foot or whatever ankle was bothering him no clue um so yeah obviously it's bad uh for the running backs it's not it's not good you know it's not good for anyone man this is all bad you lose Dak Prescott like it's just you know and we'll see what happens with Connor McGovern like he got hurt too so they lost another lineman after they've already lost Tyron Smith this is a, this is a bad day for the Dallas Cowboys Dwayne, be honest. Did you know who Dennis Houston was going into no, this I, game? I didn't. I didn't. I was like, what the hell is happening? <laughs> I had no idea. This happens like every I knew who he was. I knew he was on the roster, but just like seeing him act there, out there with the starting lineup, I was just like, what is happening? Like, I okay, yeah, I think I've heard the name once or something, but never in my wildest dreams were I like, oh, yeah, this is the guy in three wide receiver sets with, uh, you know, Noah Brown and CeeDee Lamb. We knew Noah Brown was going to be there like that become apparent but my god jalen tolbert healthy scratch and then to have um it's okay nathan yonke has the route data available for us cd lamb 45 routes noah brown 39 dennis houston 30 Simi fahoko 14 caponte turpin just one sad one how about that one reception for tony pollard that was freaking amazing that one catch for four yards one target one target for tony pollard what is happening the the whole offseason we're going to get tony pollard involved because we have to because we don't have any other weapons okay agree 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 one target one freaking target yeah this 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 game goes on everybody kellen moore is also looking like an idiot Zeke 40 snaps, Pollard 38. Ze- Zeke looked good. Like that's that's hilarious. Like that's the one kind of part of this where it just doesn't it's, I know it doesn't matter still. He didn't put up good numbers, but like in, in the course of this like cowboy, usually that's the problem, man. Usually we're like, right. what the hell? 82.82.8 like, uh PFF rushing grade for Zeke tonight. Yeah. Looks spry. Obviously it wasn't enough, and now it's just gonna make life harder than ever without Dak there. So Right now, what Zeke's going to be, bro, like a low-end RB2. Pollard's going to be a freaking RB4 probably. CeeDee Lamb's probably going to be a low-end wide receiver too. Dalton Schultz becomes like a low-end tight end one. That sound about right? Yep, yep. Dalton Schultz was out there 89% of the routes, so that's good. Uh, 29% target share for Dalton Schultz, so he had six targets. Oh, well, I don't know where he ended. When I, when I stopped, where my data pool stopped, he had five receptions on the night. I know he ended up with more than that. So, yeah, I mean, he was he was the main guy after C.D. Lamb. Another much criticized running back who looked objectively good out there, Leonard Fournette, man, 127 yards on 21 yes. carries. Put Micah Parsons in the dirt on a, on a pass protection pickup. And Parsons was literally the only Cowboy doing anything good, and he did a lot of really good things because he's a freaking savage, and I'm no way trying to criticize that dude. But, yeah, Fournette hadn't 
Fournette got him one time. That's football for you. Also chipped in a couple catches. Did have Rashad White out there, you know, really being the clear RB2, so that was good. I know Giovanni Bernard has been banged up a little bit, but at a minimum, we don't need to worry about, you know, the Keyshawn Vaughn era rearing its ugly head up there. Tom Brady did, didn't have to do much there. Buccaneers obviously had some their own in, O-line injuries they were worried about, particularly after Donovan Smith went down uh, in the second quarter after Parsons uh, got past him. But ultimately, Dwayne, the big story for me was Julio Jones because you look at the routes at the end of the game. Mike Evans, 23 routes. Julio, 22. Russell Gage, 18. Brashad Perryman, 10. And Chris Goblin, 10. Unfortunately, Goblin came out. I think it was his hamstring. So it's unrelated to his ACL, but he hurt his hamstring, had to leave after halftime. That just sucks. We're not sure when he's going to be back. Based on this utilization, Dwayne, if we're going to get into next week and Goblin's out of the picture, Mike Evans, yeah, upside wide receiver one week-by-week week basis. Man, it's going to be tough to keep Julio out of that top 36. He looked he looked like Julio out there. Uh, I'm, I'm, Julio's going to be a wide receiver too if, Ooh, Chris, baby. If, if, if Chris Godwin's out. Mike Evans is a wide receiver one, period. Julio Jones is a wide receiver too, period. Um, if I, I like when out. I'm, by the way, I like when I'm like kind of, I go like halfway in on something like that. I say wide receiver three and you're like, no, nah, he's a wide receiver two. That's how we get better. <laughs> That's how we get better. Well, yeah, we're always pushing each other back and forth, like on some of this stuff, like the disappointing thing. Now I know Russell Gage was battling injuries, but only a 56% route participation. Again, this is, this is preliminary on this particular game because I don't have the final data, but I feel pretty good about it. It didn't change a lot. I'm sure. Right. But he probably didn't even get to I know he didn't get to 70%. Maybe he got to 60% at the end of the day, but that was not good for Russell Gage. So, well, I would want to wait on Russell Gage. I would not release him out, you know, and if you're playing in a, a shallow league, you can like, if you're playing an eight teamer, go ahead. 10 teamer. Maybe you will. If you're playing in a 12 teamer, you know, with a deeper bench, like I'm definitely going to hold on to Russell Gage one more week because if Chris Godwin's out, right. They're going to run a lot of three wides, and I would expect once he's healthy that he's still one of the main guys, and we could end up being wrong. And and look, Julio is also another player that, like even tonight, you saw it. Like multiple times, you're like, get up, get up, Julio. <laughs> you know, he's just one of those players that you're like, come on, man, come on, come on. Um, so we'll we'll see what happens with it. But yeah, I'm I will have Julio Jones in my wide receiver twos next week if we are without Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, and Leonard Fournette, dude. Whoa. 91% of the routes where I got the cut where my data cut off 86% of the rushing attempts Rashad white picked up a few at the end that probably aren't calculated into this 100% of the short down and distance 100% of the long down and distance 100% of the two minute offense Leonard Fournette is a he's going to beast as long as he has a role like this and an offense like uh you know Tampa Bay like he's going to easily have games where he can score two three touchdowns you know in this kind of workload um with the Bucks. Shout out to boss man, Chris Collinsworth on the call. Also battling through, you know, a little bit of a sore throat. It sounded like uh, out there, but you know, doing what needs to be done. He's got to put, he's got to put bread on the table, uh, Dwayne. But I think Chris brought it up like Leonard Fournette. He, he said that when he saw Fournette at LSU, like he's like, this is the best running back I've ever seen. This is not just some scrub guys. Okay. Yeah. Saquon more explosive and stuff like I, that's fine. But I, this idea that Leonard Fournette is just like a shitty running back. Like, no, stop it. Stop it. I'm tired of it. All right. Last note, final note of this two and a half hour podcast. We're back, Dwayne. We're back, baby. Cameron Brait. Cameron Brait, 22 routes run. Kate Otten, just three. Kyle Rudolph was a healthy scratch. 
that's legit, Dwayne. I mean, a lot of these late round tight ends couldn't even sniff anything like this. And in a game where, I mean, Tom Brady, he only threw for 212 yards, only 27 pass attempts, clearly didn't have to pop their foot on the gas. If we could have that route participation for Brady in a week where Brady's actually putting up his usual numbers, like, I feel like this is what the utilization report is all about. Let's find the guy now. Let's get him on the team now, and then he'll blow up. And instead of having to rush the waiver wire, he's already sitting on the bench. Do you think that could be Cam Bray based on those numbers? Yeah, the routes are good. Um, again, preliminary data, but 72% route participation, right? So he didn't get to the 80%. But if you're between 70 and 80, that still puts you in that, lo- that low-end tight end one, high-end tight end two conversation. Um, so, yeah, I think it's fine. The, the only problem with Bray is just – you know, 11% uh, targets per route run, only an 8% target share. But if the target tree gets thinned down um, and we're dealing with a, something where we don't have Godwin, if Russell Gage turns out he's still battling some sort of injury and he's limited through practice, then at that point, I, I like it a little bit more. The only thing that scares me with Bray, and we've seen him over the last couple of years, be all of a sudden he'll have these opportunities like this where because there's in, last it was last year it was injuries to Gronk and things like that. And he just hasn't come through. So I just kind of wonder, like, is the guy washed? But at the end of the day, yes. Like, the route participation, to your point, like, it's kind of this preemptive thing where you know he's out there enough. And all of a sudden, and look, for all, there's a lot of tight ends that crashed and burned today. Um, and Cameron Braid has something that a lot of them don't. He was at least on the damn field. So you got to give him that. It's going to wrap up a long edition of the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast, but a good week edition. one, man. Week one. That's the way it is, week one. A lot to uncover. We'll get some bye weeks here in the future. I don't know. Maybe we'll talk longer. I, I don't care, Dwayne. You know, it's 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 two a.m. for me. It could be three a.m. at this point. You know, it is what it is. I got a, I got a bottle of some shoes with my name on it. Gonna have a jolly old end of the night. And you know, it's just a great day to be great. What do you got going on? Not not a PFF anymore, Dwayne. But that's okay. We still love you. MB Fantasy Life, where you know some some guy named Matthew Barry happens to be pretty good things uh for our industry and also yourself let other people know where they can find you these days and what you got coming up for week two yeah so i am over at fantasy life um and you guys can check out all my work there for free so tomorrow though i'll be writing the utilization report um tuesday the uh full utilization report with all of you know the the charts and everything every single team will come out on pff then there will be a skinnier version that will be over on fantasy life and then after that, I will be doing my tiers and my rankings. They will come out on Wednesday, and then I will do you know my smashes and fades. They come out later in the week, but all the rankings are also up over at Fantasy Life. So full of content all week long. Be doing two podcasts over there, the KFC podcast with Marcus Grant, man. And then Matthew Barry will join us on Thursday. Um, I think that's everything for this week. Like I'm still making sure I got everything down and I have all my stuff. Like here, here are all the, here are all the pieces of content I got to get done this week. It's a lot, but I'm super stoked. Finally, finally we get to do content based on football. It just happened like yesterday, today, whatever the hell you want to call it versus, you know, seven months ago. So this is just truly a great day. It'd be great. Check out everything Dwayne's got. And obviously we'll still be here. PFF fantasy football podcast. Dwayne's back every Sunday night, breaking down every game we just saw. I'll be back on Tuesday morning with Nathan Yonke going through the top waivers of the week. Going to also have my quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end, quick hitting solo pods for you guys, Tuesday and Wednesday, Kevin Cole matchups, Thursday, Nick Botiford doing some injuries on Friday and yeah, gonna hopefully go win some more games in week two so for Dwayne, i'm ian thank you guys as always for tuning into the pff fantasy football podcast and until next time take care everybody